Uh, Go. All right. Here we go. Fucking trying to talk about stuff before the recording goes. <laughs> Why else are we here on the planet? <laughs> normal people having normal conversations when there's a, a hard drive to be filled. Be right back. Need a fizzy water. You have this whole time. Here we are, a cast iron brains, a podcast that doesn't have any time for fancy schmancy, morally overwrought opening lectures because it's eight freaking thirty, and that means it's go time. We gotta go. Longer it takes this podcast to get through the self-indulgent opener, the deeper into the night this recording will go. Because Lord knows this podcast isn't going to stop just because the blinking red light says so. There's important things to talk about. Takes to be tooken. Many antisocial Harriet Oldman opinions to be gussied up as thoughtful contemplations on cultural decay. And no petty concerns about tomorrow's 5.30 a.m. wake-up are going to get in the way of this podcast getting to 11.15 tonight and realizing that this podcast still has 20 more minutes of desperately important content for the maw about, like, the new Game of Thrones show, or why some minor inconvenience at the grocery store heralds the death of civilization, or why everyone else is wrong about keyless car entry. The point is, time's a-wasting. My name is Bob. Sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host, that's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here, too. How you doing, Lori? Are you going to get into keyless car entry, or was that just a throwaway thing? Throwaway. What do you have against or for keyless car entry? Nothing. Made it up on the spot. <laughs> You are for it? You read it from a script. Yeah, which I made up like 20 minutes ago, but uh, I tried to think of something absurd that no one should really complain about, but like <laughs> undoubtedly, if I thought about it for more than five minutes, I would definitely have something to say about Keyless car entry and why it's bad. Don't you dare give me that opportunity. <laughs> Tonight is Tuesday. Ap April. April. How did I get yep. to April? It's April. It's August 23rd. Longest month. August 23rd, 2022. Abe, tomorrow is Wednesday Oh, when this episode comes out. August 24th, 2022. And our lives both... Lori, are you eating a second ice cream sandwich right yeah, now? Yeah, they're really small. She's eating... All right, just making sure. Because I thought I saw you uh, there in the little Zoom window. Very and very long day. Over my right shoulder, munching on a ice cream sandwich and had finished it. And then there's another one they're appears. They're very small. A second ice. It's not like the minis, though. It's not like those no, Mayfield. No, they're just small. If you say so. Anyway, uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, our lives begin anew. By which I mean our lives come to a crashing halt, as we've known them for the last few months, because the children go back to school. Oh. On top of that, we're going to have so we're going to have kids in school, which is obviously not a great burden on anyone except their unfortunate teachers. And school administrators. Taxpayers. Yeah, the taxpayers. But in addition to school, they're both going to be doing multiple activities. We thought that it was a little crazy last spring when they were on separate baseball teams and we had ballet and all of that. Starting, like, next week, we're going to have Calvin on a soccer team and a baseball team. Katie doing her normal ballet routine and possibly another additional ballet thing going on. So double the ballet. 
Maybe. Maybe, if she is deemed fit for the Nutcracker, uh, which she has to audition for and then practice for for the next three or four months. And then also, Katie's going to be on the baseball team. So we're going to have, like, very many activities going on. My aunt, Dr. Andrew, said that this was a horrible idea. It is. It's a horrible (laughs) idea. But, but... In my defense to him, you don't have a job. And both him and his wife have jobs. So Fair. I am coaching the baseball team, which is not a paid position, nor really at a job of any sort that you could – I mean, it just – you can't even – it's not in the same conversation as a job. It's a responsibility. Uh, it does take time. And, and further, I'm committing myself to a new project, which no one will know about until at least, like, January. So uh, – yeah, that's right. Shake your head in dismay and disgust, <laughs> Lori. It's, not just, it's disbelief. <laughs> just, I just, just get don't a job, you. Bob. Why don't you just? No, 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 no. No, I was shaking my head. In my head was like, January is so not when anyone will find out. Ever, <laughs> ever. We're never gonna find out because you won't finish it. No, it'll be done before. Well, I mean, people will start to find out about it anyway. Anyway, what I'm saying is, shit's about to get weird around here. What about you, Abe? Life changing dramatically for you at well, any any point soon? <laughs> no, nothing like that. By the way, I did have a quick question before I tell you of my nothingness. Uh, with the kids, is it like you guys expose them to these activities and then they pick what they want to do, and then you pick how many activities they get to partake? Like, how does why so many That's different a good things? Question. All at once. Well, Lori insisted on fall baseball. Here's in, the thing. Baseball was a blast. Including, okay. yeah, it's a blast. Well, that's right, but yeah, the last My longstanding opinion since I was a child is that children should play a different sport every season. Here's the other thing. I fucking hate soccer. <laughs> like watching it? Uh, I anything. hate watching it. I don't hate that it exists. I just yeah. really don't want to watch it. Right. So, so if he plays baseball... If I miss the soccer, it's fine. I see. Sort of, we allow them to do what they want to do. But Lori sort of insisted on fall baseball to the point where she, like, sort of committed me to the league to doing it again this fall. I had a chat with the lady who runs it. And then it didn't didn't help that I ran into two of the kids' families who I coached in the spring who then wanted to talk about being on my team in the fall. Which meant that, like, I I was sort of, I mean, not that I'm committed, but, like, I would have felt bad if I had said, like, yeah, we're probably going to do fall baseball and we'll see you then. And then and then we don't do it. Then it I would was, have felt bad. It was so fun. It would be a shame to go the whole year not doing baseball when we have the opportunity to do it. Right. Yeah. It's just, that's, a, it's just a I'm lot. I'm right. It's, that's it. What we shouldn't do is soccer because it's boring and dumb. Yeah, but Calvin <laughs> loves soccer. And he likes soccer. He likes everything. He's, right. He likes everything. Whatever he's doing. Like, whatever he's doing, he Whatever likes. his favorite video game is, this is a thing that he's actually sort of now self-conscious of. He's aware of this fact. But his favorite video game is just whatever video game he played okay. most recently. <laughs> and his favorite, his favorite sport is just whatever team sport he had most recently been playing. And and or is currently playing. Is that his uh, preference team related stuff? He wouldn't want to do like in like golf or whatever when he's older or wrestling. We'll I think I'm that sure he would. He would, uh, he would okay. love to play golf. So I just he likes everything. Okay, whatever it is that we're doing, he likes it. <laughs> like 
I have like I've always overestimated my own uh, personal athletic ability, of course, uh, in in many many different ways. Uh, however, I I mean, well, I don't need to talk. No, no, I don't need to talk myself up here because nobody will believe anything that I say. But in terms of golf, when you bring up golf, I've always thought like you know, you go out there, you practice, you learn to play the game. Surely, eventually, I would get reasonably good at golf. This is a thought that I had for many years. And only recently, in the last couple of years, did I realize, you know, going to Top Golf every every now and then, where it's just like a, a yeah, fancy driving range, basically. Yeah. And I used to do like every once in a while, probably a, a total of three times. I went to the University of Georgia golf course that they had there on like Riverbend or or Millage. down on Millage, Lincoln. yeah, and hit some balls at the driving range there. You know, bucket. You know, just hit balls for 30 minutes or something before going in to deliver pizzas all goddamn night. And I don't think that once have I ever, like, reached back and then swung the golf club and then connected with the golf ball and been like, that was a good golf shot. It's okay. an impossible like, thing Literally to do. not one time. And I'm, like... Like I go to a batting cage with a bat and I hit hit baseballs and like reasonably good at that, right. uh, or or somebody's like pitching to me reasonably like make good contact hit hit massive taters out of the little league field, and and win the home run derby against the little ten year olds, but golf not one time That's have weird, I struck a golf ball and felt good about it because you know in golf yeah for. The few people who wouldn't know this, I guess everyone would know this, but like the ball's the, not moving. The ball's not moving. It's a stationary ball, and you have a better chance when the ball is being thrown at you or to you, like they do with baseball. But when it's just there, it's impossible. Like when I see people do it, I'm amazed. It's yeah. impossible. I'm surprised more people aren't like that very cartoonish Charles Barkley. His movement is very unnatural but right. everybody else is just like all these professionals and even like regular people they just naturally swing and it's they like it just looks so good the There's, other thing that i concluded when i came to that conclusion about how I, I have never and likely will never hit a good golf shot is that golf must not be a sport As, <laughs> <laughs> this is funny daniel o'brien was talking about golf one time oh yeah we could listen to that instead we could listen to some other guy's podcast Instead of doing our own podcast, Lori's suggestion tonight. You know, we get positive feedback. Corey's back. Corey uh, at oh at Corey, Hi, Corey Talker, who spent previously to this summer had had uh, sort of unfaithfully recapped our episodes for his <laughs> uh, Twitter faithful. His, he's back now, uh, unfairly recapping our episodes after uh, taking the summer off. So welcome back at Corey Talker. Go follow Corey if you want to. I'm going to follow Corey. Don't follow me, Corey. Uh, don't fo uh, he'll probably do it right away as soon uh. as you do it right now. <laughs> and then in three days when he hears this, then he'll feel bad. Okay. Besides golf, what did we want to talk about tonight? Oh, Abe? just to quickly wrap up my, what I'm doing. Uh, my life is getting even easier because uh, starting on Monday, I'm going to go to this new office doing a new thing for four months. And it's like a bike ride away now. So so why I, is it why is it that you've been going? There's another IRS office that is, in fact, even closer to your house than the yes. one that you've not been commuting to for the last two years? Yeah. So I live like near Midtown. And so there's one building 
in Midtown on Peachtree or one of the Peachtrees. And there's another one, which is the main campus, which has houses like a thousand employees in Chambly, like near out right inside the perimeter in Atlanta. So why does the IRS need a downtown or midtown Peachtree office that's not even big enough to house the very important work that you and your colleagues do? Except, is it just for the glamour? Is this why why the Biden administration has decided that we need to hire 87,000 more IRS employees and oh, for- quadruple the size of the IRS budget, uh, all because of they want the fancy addresses in downtown Atlanta? First of all, it's not fancy. Uh, I think I'll be stationed at the uh, 31st floor of this building that you share with other groups, you know, so... It's not like a fancy building. I think I have to pay for parking. That's why I'm riding my bike. It's not Jesus. better. Uh, they don't even I, comp your parking? They can't. I am sure there's some sort of thing, but the, I, I won't need it. Uh. They can't, like, give you a token or something when you get up there every day? <laughs> no, but uh, the main campus was built, like, 20 years ago. Uh, and until then, they had a bunch of smaller offices around the city. And this was one of them. And the, the, the commissioner's... Well, some weird it's a big, things. Im- big important project you're on. I don't know if I guess we can't we can't really talk about it on the show, but you got a big secret deal there at the IRS to help turn things around. It's very not- proud of you. It's not that big. A very big deal. Every, everyone's gonna be talking about it. Oh, anyway. Speaking of which, let's talk about racism. I feel like we haven't done any racism stuff fun, in a fun, while. Fun. It's been nice. I haven't been haven't been allowed to dismiss concerns about racism and and wallow in my own white supremacy in at least a few episodes here. The uh, American Historical Association is headed up by a character named James Sweet. And he wrote an essay, like you know, like editors of things or heads of associations. Yeah. They, like at the start of the magazine or whatever, there'll be a note from the editor about, hey, this is what we're thinking about here at the place this month and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Doesn't matter. And he wrote something along those lines that caused quite a Twitter blow up this past week. It okay, was... before you go on, was it just a Twitter blow up or was it something else? What do you mean? Yeah, cause that's a good point that Laura I'm mentioned because a question. Like, I, that's what I mean. My experience of this story is that uh, you sent the link, Bob, and you read the body of the article, and then you read the editor's note at the top. But there's no like comment section or any other. It area. all happened on Twitter. It so all, all okay, the so pure... it was what you're talking about is Twitter gossip. Entire entirely contained okay. within Twitter, the brouhaha. Okay. Yeah, I mean, but there there were. I'm not dismissing that. I'm just trying to make sure. Sure, many that are. We, what we are talking about is Twitter gossip. Right, but when we, but it's sort of like you know, there's like black Twitter, and like they talk about at the Oscars, where that that white lady didn't know about black Twitter. Uh, like, there's different domains oh, okay. within Twitter, okay. where like so there's history Twitter. Yes, I where, believe that, but like, it is everybody. Still, it's not the history professors of the nation are not talking about it. It's their Twitter that's talking about it. Yeah, but that's where the history... I don't understand the right. distinction. All of the okay. history professors of America who, who have... Yeah, they're fucking miserable because they talk to a bunch of undergraduates all day long. And so they have to make themselves feel more important. So they get a blue check and they get on Twitter and they talk about stuff. I mean, that's... I don't understand the distinction. By the way, uh, this is probably because I'm very old, but um, I don't know how this black 
Twitter thing works. It's like you go to Twitter and you just follow people, not because they're black or anything. But on Reddit, there's a subreddit that houses all the black Twitter content that you need. And so I'll sometimes peruse, and it's like, oh, nothing of so interest. You get your black Twitter from Reddit. From Reddit, yes. All right, Lori gets her Twitter from Instagram, okay. as we discovered no, a few minutes ago. No, that was something else. But yeah, I used to, until recently, get my Twitter from Instagram. Right. But now I'm on Twitter. Right, which is why, like, and, and as silly as Twitter is, and a, a place that I truly believe that I should not be or go, it must be said that that's simp- it's simply where so much of yeah. the cultural conversation happens, and it doesn't. And yeah, you can dismiss it as being oh, just a bunch of Twitter nonsense. It's it's it is much of a cultural conversation. But what I was trying to make a distinction of for myself, not as an argument, not for you, was like, are humans talking about this to one another or not? And the right. answer is not. My it's guess just is Twitter. that in in like. History, maybe uh, That's departments your guess, across we don't know the country. That. I will that ask the next history is, professor. I see. This is the water cooler talk that people right. are okay. talking about, and yeah, I guarantee you that, that is a great, great point. If you happen to talk to a history professor who is, would be a history professor at UVA who's getting his haircut yep. at your salon, yep. I guarantee you that they will know about this. All blow right, up. I'm gonna ask him. He might even be quoted in, in, in one of these <laughs> fucking tweets talking about how shitty James Sweet is. Anyway. The the title of the place of the piece is is history history identity politics and teleologies of the present and it is currently on the at historians.org I'll make sure that this is in the show note there will be a show note this week I was lazy last week there was if you click the link to take you to the show note it just says show note to come and it it never came it won't and it likely it's like this won't mysterious January project. Another broken promise by Bob. That's right. Yeah, but this week, yeah, kids are being school tomorrow, and I'm gonna, gonna put together all those links. Uh, Historians.org is where this was published. It's a news magazine of the American Historical Association. The president is James H. Sweet, and this was published on August 17th. Quickly appended with a giant gray box at the top, which was the author's note. Uh, and his five-paragraph apology here, in which he uh, expresses sincere regret for the way that he's alienated some of my black colleagues and friends. And, of course, I read that before I read the piece, and the only reason that I read the piece is because of the controversy. It's not like I'm a regular subscriber to the American Historical Association's news magazine. I would recommend, though, uh, that everybody do it the the way that I did it based on Bob's uh, recommendation, which is to read the article first and then try to imagine what the <laughs> brouhaha is. Like try to guess and then go back right. to the top and read the thing because it's kind of funny if you do it in that order. Essentially what he's saying here without trying to read the whole thing, because for one thing, a lot of it is sort of suffuse with uh, – academic-y sort of jargon. I mean, it's reasonably... Boring, you're saying. Yeah, it's reasonably legible, but it's written by a historian about other historians, and so it's not entirely interesting. But he talks about his his concern, essentially, that we are currently, as a culture, and, and specifically in historian culture, like uh, the, the people who exist in his uh, exact profession, that they're over-concerned with uh, the present moment and a little bit too worried about 
justifying current, I'll say politically correct, he wouldn't use politically correct, but justifying current sort of politically correct, and by that I, I don't mean PC in the way that that yeah. sounds, but like the way that most historians would fall along the left side of the spectrum justifying that political project rather than simply telling the, the story of history. And now it's not to say that he believes that because essentially this is a, a long argument that goes back forever in this and many other academic pursuits about whether or not objectivity is something that either can be achieved or even should be strived for given the fact that objectivity is essentially an impossible goal. Sort of like when we talk about democracy in the United States, we don't want true, pure democracy, but it is a goal that we tend to strive for in the way that we build our government. Uh, one person one vote and having that uh, be represented in uh, in our republic. If it's not a, exactly a democracy, it is still something that we strive for. And he is sort of suggesting that – I don't think the word objectivity shows up in this entire thing. But he's, he's sort of of the mind that objectivity, while not achievable, is at least something that we should uh, be concerned about striving towards because right. uh, this this focus on reinterpreting – the history in terms of how we currently see the world and in terms of the, the moral imperatives of today is no way of actually coming to a greater understanding of how the world was before. What's interesting about this, um, this article, I've never heard of this term presentism, and I find myself guilty of this because I've always said, even going back 50 years, 200 years, there's a lot of uh, shenanigans that goes on with the, the history as written, and this is, you know, just a couple of hundred years ago. So if you go back a thousand years, I'm assuming it's mostly bullshit. So I always thought, like, just focused in the recent past because you have as much evidence to support whatever the story is uh, than you do whatever happened 1,200 years ago. But it seems like— Well, unless it was written by contemporaries or by relative contemporaries, right? Like, it, right. there are histories that are passed down that are relatively reliable in that sense and, and can be corroborated by multiple sources oftentimes. Right. But the, 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 narr the narrative always is kind of like murky. It's like, did that exactly happen in that sequence? But anyways, sure. it seems like sure. the, the criticism that he was uh, making, at least one of them, was that when your frame of reference is that narrow— uh, and also you are using present day uh, – like the way you think of the world from the vantage point of today. Sensibilities. What's that? Sensibilities. Yeah, your sensibility – yeah, present day sensibilities to kind of like uh, judge and uh, look to the recent past. And that's not a good way to go about doing it. And so like I always – think that the not not that he sought my advice but you know my advice is always offered when you're trying to make these points don't use uh unsettled examples in your to make your argument so like the 1619 thing he must have known that this is an unsettled issue so kind of a a fraught topic and so like to make so the I, larger I, I, point i object to i object to what you're saying no, here no, for well, two reasons object in but, a second what i'm saying ahead, is that if you're finish. trying to avoid because what are we talking about now? We're talking about the controversy instead of a, the the sound point that he had is now bogged down by this other nonsense, right? So if you if you're trying to uh, convey a message, right, you should that should be the primary objective, and and if anything detracts from that, don't 
take that approach, right? Now, I'm not saying like Read censor yourself. Read the room yourself. is what you're saying. What's that? Read the room. Right. Yeah. Make a more effective point because now everybody's just fixated on the stupid thing that you're not even, that was like a throwaway kind of like, you know, like as an example, the 1619 project, as an example, this, you know, like uh, the other way, like whatever the conservatives are doing when they, when they lash back against you saying something about the founding fathers, right? Like those kind of examples are going to detract from your larger point, which is, are you in it for, are you like curating history or you're seeking out things from the past to, to fit your present worldview? Or are you looking to the past just to study the past, right? It seems like the, what's the objective here? And some people are on one track and, and, and he's suggesting we should be on this other track, which is to learn from the past and not like try to find a few things that fit our current ideology, which I think was a sound point. The point that he brings up with the 1619 Project is that it is a work of journalism and not of history. And that a lot of the – and by the way, that is something that the lead editor on that project has said herself many times, is that they were not taking a purely historical look at these questions. They employed a number of historians to write many pieces uh, of varying degrees of of quality and and varying degrees of historical relevance as opposed to journalistic re- relevance but her her admission and the thing that she, that she said the project was about was to take a, a moral a, a moral stance from a journalistic from a journalistic standpoint to do journalism with a with what Wesley uh, Lowry has said is is moral clarity and that was to to stake out a position and then argue for that position and so for him to bring up the 1619 project in that in that context makes a great deal of sense because what he's saying is that let's not equate what happened with the 1619 project with what we are trying to do in history and his bigger problem was that they were taking the 1619 project and presenting it as a work of academic history or at least it was being confused in that way by certain people and i think that that's a valid criticism and further uh the the thing that you're saying is that Essentially, the same thing that this guy at the at UVA said in another article that I read, or, or a, a tweet that he put up, he says that no matter the validity of the public criticism of the 1619 project, uh, those are going to be weaponized by the right. That bad <laughs> that that bad actors are going to take what you've done here, Mister Do Good Leftist, and turn it into something that they're going to to stick up on a pole and do bad things with in order to make their own points. And again, I've said it a thousand times. That's no way to be in the world. Right. Is it, to be constantly worried about saying the what you believe to be the right true thing, but then not saying it because you're worried that some fucking stormfront asshole is going to pick it up and and claim it as his own right like you you just it's 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 no way to have free to take it back to last week that's no way to live in a society that's supposed to uh, valorize or at least accept notions of uh, free expression of the thoughts that are going on inside anybody's head so that that's why i like I, i i sort of automatically reject the idea that that he should be wary of the ways that this hot button issue, which is the 1619 project is going to be weaponized by the wrong people. Right. But uh, the, 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 if that was his primary point, then yes, you should tackle that head on and you're right. That should not be a consideration, but that wasn't his primary point. His primary point is like, let's not lose perspective of what history is. 
And if you're trying to convey that, don't right, bog the it point down. That he's, the, the fundamental point that he's making is that people need to stop, like like non-historians need to stop bandying about the word history right. and using like this. It's a classic thing that any professional does all of the time. Like somebody doesn't like the fucking pizza that the neighborhood pizza joint makes. They're like, ah, that's not fucking pizza. Right. Don't, don't call that pizza. <laughs> yeah. right? But that's what, that's what sociology, like don't, don't call what I'm doing history or don't call what you're doing history. What right. I do in the academy and the, and the thorough evaluation of my peers, uh, that's history. Right. And what the 1619 project is doing and what Sam fucking Alito is doing in various opinions on the Supreme court, no matter how many times they say history, that's not right. history, right. and that's all. The whole thing that he's complaining about is the misuse of the of the term that should matter more to the people uh, who are reading this magazine uh, than anybody else on the planet, probably. Right. I think if if uh, make, make it seems like you're trying to do too much in one go. Like just try to get some buy into your larger point without the specific examples, and then you can get more specific. But like I always th- think that like. People will try to dismiss your larger point if they find any any area where they can make a big stink about it. And so, like, you almost kind of have to anticipate that. I know it's kind of fucked up. Oh, you shouldn't consider that, blah, blah, blah. But, like, you have to kind of anticipate the reaction to the point. And is it worth your point being lost in all of the noise to make these specific arguments, right? Could he not have been a little more general? And I think he would have had a lot more people buy into his argument. Because in their heads, you know, the, the biased people will be saying, oh, yeah, like the my adversaries, how they fucking up. They're not going to think that they're doing it, right? But at least you'll have some buy-in at a general point. But now, like, look at him. He's apologizing. Like, what was the point of all that? You wrote all those words so you can apologize? That was kind of stupid. Well, and then, again, half of his profession or more, or at least the most vocal parts of his profession, jump in and demand that he either resign or be fired from his position. That's a remarkable, stupid position. Has anyone actually said that or just like some Twitter account said that? Has- yeah, various historians on Twitter. I mean, I don't know. I don't, again, I don't know how else to uh, – like how to, how to justify it. But the, the guy from UVA is – on. so yeah, he's a Twitter guy, but he's a historian at the University of Virginia. What's his name? His name is David Austin Walsh. How can, I, how can a historian participate in like this sort of – in the moment mob mentality kind of thing like don't you i always thought historians had or are they just saying that on twitter and they don't actually believe it but they're if if they're doing that that's the same problem because they're kind of contributing to this environment of like oh we gotta shun this person out of a job because they said something you disagree with it's like i thought historians would have a longer view of things like oh this is gonna blow over yeah, but he's a white supremacist, and you can't have a white supremacist uh, representing the entire American Historical Association. Uh, by the way, a white supremacist who spent like his entire career, quote unquote, doing the work of centering black voices and making sure that he's not speaking over because he's a he's a scholar of like Ghana in particular, apparently, and it, like a. Someone who, up until this very moment, has been considered right. perfectly uh, correct and in the tribe, and now uh, must be cast out. Right. None of that matters. By the way, is the prevailing opinion that all of the other arguments and larger point that he was making, there were just all 
a mask for his true opinion, which is to take a dig at sixty nine at the six nineteen project. Is that what the people online are say, are thinking? Like you're just shitting on the sixty nineteen project, like the conservatives do, and you're using all of these other examples as a distraction. Like, is that the criticism? Because I'm not really following why there's such a it's, strong. It's reaction. the belief that it's the belief that anything. That is that is complaining about presentism is actually just cover for white supremacy. Right? Okay. It's, it's just secret right wing activism that any anybody who makes any noise about the fact that we are approaching these topics differently than we have in the past and that that it's largely through this sort of identitar- the identitarian way of seeing the world and that, that you must be of the correct identity. Or, or defer to people who are of the correct identity in order to make any of these points. And it, like it, again, it gets, into, it gets into sort of weird places. But before we get into the weird places, one of the things that he says in this piece, he says, and you, you quoted this when you, after you were done reading it, you, you sent it back in the group chat. The, the Almina tour guide claimed that Ghanaians sent their servants into chattel slavery unknowingly. The guide made no reference to warfare or indigenous slavery, histories that interrupt assumptions of ancestral connection between modern gay Ghanaians and visitors from the diaspora. Similarly, the forthcoming film The Woman King seems to suggest that Dahomey's female warriors and King Gezo, uh, apologies, by the way, for all of the pronunciation, (laughs) fought the European slave trade. In fact, they promoted it. Historically accurate rendering of Asante or Dahomey Dahomean greed and enslavement apparently contradict modern day political imperatives. By the way, uh, if anybody, uh, <laughs> the the trailer is available on on YouTube. The Woman King. The presentation is very like clear cut. There's this group in Western Africa, bunch of women, and uh, the evildoers are the whites, and uh, they make a big go of it, and like that's the story. And I assume the the whole movie will just be that. It won't be talking right. about them enslaving people too. And so he makes the point that all of these Amer- African-American tourists come to Ghana looking to sort of better understand their place in the world by doing these uh, tourist trap things of finding out about the history of the slave trade from local Ghanaian tour guides or what have you. And something on the order of less than 1% of African-American slaves came from this particular area or what have you, that the over- overwhelming majority of enslaved people who left uh, Ghana went to the Caribbean or to Brazil or other points west rather than becoming part of the African-American lineage. And he's simply pointing out that that is completely left out of this presentation, which is for Africa. Like the, the money is in right. presenting this as a story for African-American tourists, because while it's true that uh, African-Americans have less money here uh, than than white people do in general, right? right. Uh, if, uh, yeah. Less overall wealth. They still do have good American dollars that travel well right. to Ghana, and so they're the ones that are paying the bills. So that's the story that they're being told because that's the story that they want to hear, right? Right, and they don't want to hear that actually, like basically, none of the people who came from here ended up in America, and they all went to the Caribbean and to Brazil because those people don't have any fucking money right. to come hear the story. But do you think that uh, clarification would change the? this travel kind of industry because it seems like the most proximate story that they can find because it's not like, oh, this is not exactly how it happened. It happened this exact other way. Like it's like something along these lines happened. Some ships went 
to North America, some went sure. to the Caribbean, but, so some went to South America. If it's good enough for the for the travel industry, right. if if telling uh, small lies of omission right. are, is good enough to bring in tourist dollars, why shouldn't it be good enough for the histories? Right. That's, right. I think that's sort of the thing that he's getting at. Right. Is like if if we're going to present this as history, and then we're also like the, there's also this move that he's seeing more and more in the last twenty years or whatever, that we have to accept less than true things because they're true enough because right. they tell the story that we believe to be the correct story about the world. Right. right. And that's the thing that he's worried about is this creeping idea that because it's good enough for travel dollars, it might be good enough for the history books, and that's what worries him because it, it's a fundamental change from – that doesn't mean that every history written by every uh, less than upstanding white guy for the last 10,000 years is true or objective or good. It just means that there's a change happening, and it's worth noting it and wondering about it. How and much, I think that's largely the point that he's making. To that point, and again, I, uh, I will defer to the historian guy, but like – how much of an outlier is this myth making? Because it's not the first time uh, stories uh, have yeah, been like, reorganized. We are finding out all the time how, like, ooh, actually, it didn't quite happen that right. way. It like kind of did. I mean, I don't so know. So we're gonna keep telling it that way, right? But like, uh, the Paul when, when has it been? When it? When it? But when has the answer ever been? We're gonna keep telling it that no, way. No, no, no. Because the Paul romanticizing, Revere. the romanticizing of the Christopher Columbus myth. Right. I never like, and I know that this is something that I like. Perhaps I've, I've admitted before that it's possible that I'm just I'm guilty of doing that thing where you find out about something and then assume that like when you originally found out about it that you accepted it too. But like I don't think that I was presented with in 1492 Columbus oh, sailed the ocean blue was. and 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 discovered America. I like, went to private school though. From the beginning, I was told that 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 the Columbus myth was largely a myth. Well, and that, no, 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 you weren't. We and maybe you went to a better school, that. but no. Like even in when I went to public school, we learned. Like when I went to private school, we learned that. But a private school, you're more likely to get a cleaned up version, or you know, it was first through not through first through nursery school through okay. first. Okay, I'm not talking right. So to, yeah, to so clarify, you, I have no memory of my life before no like the of age anything. of ten. So nothing but- you say right now. Uh, kind of means anything in terms you. of what you remember and what you learned. Like, like you said, you just you're doing the thing where, as soon as you learned the right thing, you deleted the wrong thing. It's like, not a bad thing. Like Google it's just that you don't. Re- you're not remembering the stuff before that. But yeah, I'm just I'm just suggesting that while I'm sure I got a sanitized version of Christopher Columbus in the second grade, that by the time I was reading or learning about things in a more meaningful way, it was no longer as simple and clear cut as it was presented to me when I was in the second grade. And I think that goes for like everything. Right. That, it's not just <laughs> no, history. That's, that's how math works too. Uh, so. But like Paul Revere, we're still learning about, apparently yeah. didn't do the thing. That was, that was the example I was going to raise, you know, and, and again, the, cause the Paul Revere story is like, he alone kind of did it. And, there's been many different explanations, and one of them is like there's there's as many as forty that are kind of fanning out, uh, giving the heads up. But like, is there some sort of benefit societies get from the myth making to like make the story clean? Like instead of because I mean, who gives a shit about forty people giving a heads up instead of one person did the heads up thingy? It, yeah, it makes it it makes it cleaner, yes, but simpler and yeah. 
delivering the same message and you're more likely, especially as a child, to remember a simple version of right. a story. Right. This happened and so, this happened. Like, that's the reason they do it. The problem, I'm guessing, that a lot of these history people have is that they have our attention when we're children. And then as we get older and things get more complicated, the they kids tune out. So, yeah, maybe they're teaching it, but the kids aren't learning it because they're bum teenagers or they're not taking that advanced history class. So what they're wanting then is to have the less cleaned up version be the version that you teach in fourth grade and not in 11th grade. And you remember the 11th grade one, but most people remember just the basic version. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I just don't. I, I guess I don't see what I was taught in the third grade as history in the same way. I guess I'm on this. I'm on James Sweet's side because, like, I don't think of what I was taught in the third grade as big H history in the way that actual academics do it. Right. Like, I just don't. I don't see the sort of myth making like the uh, fucking sure, Paul Bunyan but that's and the axe. What like that's not remember. Yeah. Fine, and I get that, but like then, then you're just talking about cultural memes, essentially, rather than actual history. But, but yeah, and, kind and you're of. Not, and, and if what you're trying to do is correct cultural memes with new cultural memes, then just call them new cultural memes. Don't call it correcting the history, because <laughs> then that like it's not actually what you're doing. You're just trying to inject a new meme into the into people's right. Minds. But they're basically kind of using the same tools other people have had. But, but there are just so many. Like, the older I get, the more it's like everything gets simplified. Like, you know, like Rudy Giuliani cleaned up the streets in New York in the 90s. Like, if you look into it, it's like a lot more, a lot of things happened to get to that point. But I will remember that simpler story, right? Because it's like to the point, like, this is what happened, a consequence of what happened. But, yeah. but, but to what, so here's maybe that's the broader question then, because when I hear things like Rudy Giuliani cleaned up, I've always just rolled my eyes. Right. Like, like I, I just have never accepted this simple idea that Rudy came in and was like, ah, you hookers on 42nd Street, we're going to bring Disney in here and yeah. save the day. And then everything was cool and there wasn't as much murder or assault on the streets of New York. Right. Yeah, but like, all you it's do obvious is read. that there's a huge – but no, it's not that I read or that I necessarily even know better. Like I, I think that I probably have a stronger handle on what happened in the 90s in New York City than most people do, especially if they have the cartoon version of like Rudy Giuliani coming in and just uh, sweeping the streets clean. Right. And and Bill Bradley or whatever Bill Bradley is that the guy or Braddock or something I don't know oh the uh, New York the New York City Police yeah. longtime yeah. police commissioner yeah. up there, uh, but like it's a very compl- I understand it as a very complicated story and that everything else is just marketing right right but you can't like, sell complicated you can sell the this is why you know right but that's what I mean is that I've always re- I it's it's my old thing about I think that I've, we've talked about this on the show where all of this concern about critical race theory drives me bananas because like if somebody tried to tell me something when i was 16 years old i was going to be like ah probably not i don't i don't trust that and especially if it's something as stupid as as a what amounts to a 30 second commercial that you want like like you want me to remember it like i remember a catchy jingle right. because uh, what columbus or paul revere did or whatever i like my automatic assumption is that i'm being sold a bill of goods right. and there's more to this story right. so but maybe that's just me and that but, is but, not just you but it's 
but way it, more. But it strikes not me. You it's it's you. always struck me as wildly paternalistic to say that. Yeah, I know better, but think of all the dopes, right? <laughs> like, and and like, and and to be worried about all the dopes. Whereas my and and this is I've said I presented this before as possibly a, a failing of mine or a, a character flaw in a way, but. It, it And it might be, but like I assume that I'm not that much smarter than most people right. and that the things that I can I conclude or come to are actually ju- are easily achievable by literally everyone else. And, and yeah, that is that is something that the Twitter will try to beat that the fuck out of you. If like that, that sort of humility right. about how dumb uh, the rest of the world might you... actually be can can get beaten out of you. But like my assumption is that I'm not actually that much smarter than most of the rest of the people on the planet and that and that most people look at obvious lies and see them as obvious lies. But do you think this falls along the intelligence line or is it more like a predisposition? Like some people are... I think think that people... I think that people are smart enough to know better and then choose a camp and then adopt the customs of their tribe and that becomes the narrative. But you don't that's, yeah, but that's, you, okay, so yeah, you think most people do that, but you're acting like you think that you're not different than most people when all you talk about is how you don't do that. Right, I think that that is, if there's one thing that that I will acknowledge distinguishes me from the average everyday dumb asshole of which I am one, it's that I'm not interested in picking a camp or, or having a tribe or worrying about whether or not the things that I think line up with uh, the other 49% of the population that I want on my side. Right. But you don't, so what I'm, what I'm saying is like, you, you don't think that it's possible that some people uh, find messy narratives uh, off putting, like they just don't like that. So, like, they gravitate towards the simpler story because they find some comfort in it. It's, they could be an engineer. They could be some dum-dum. It, 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 I don't think— It's not even comfort necessarily. It's just like you said. It's hard to understand more complicated things. Right. But also, even if they understood it, they probably would— Oh, so the, so everyone's at fault? Like, people, they, they'll sometimes— Like, somebody has to be in the right and somebody has to be in the wrong. Yeah. And sometimes everybody's an asshole— and that's that, right? And so you can't draw any sort of moral conclusions out of this story of the war of whatever, right? It's just a bunch of fucking people killed each other. Right. It's ironically, it's what's wrong with World War II is that there's like an it's yeah, obvious. But that's why people that love World that, War II, right? It was such right, a that, <laughs> right. But then they, then they take the one example that we can point to in history yeah. of like, oh, well, Hitler was pretty fucking bad, yeah, he got and anybody on Hitler's yeah. side was on the wrong side, right. and then they apply it to fucking everything, yeah. right? They think that well, if because that's the case of World War II, that everything must be that simple. Simple, right? Yeah, and and arguably you could say that the Civil War is another one that's along those lines. Uh, but 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 in the present, not if you're in the South, well, no, not. but right. But what I'm saying is that in the present day, the way that people, well, whatever, we don't have to get into that, right? Uh, but why is again? You, you you don't you don't appreciate the fact that there's a of a sizable number of people who prefer that over Vietnam. We got in it for a dumb reason, some stupid domino theory. There was no real way to win, and it was just. A terrible fucking thing that lasted for way too long. Too many people died, and nothing came of it. Like mo- most of history is that, just like this ridiculous confluence of events and like Korean War. Yeah, what? But like the other one, it's like you know, even the Hawaii, the 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 Pearl Harbor bombing. Like some people, you know, maybe they're conspiracy theorists, but some people look into it. They're like it's a little more complicated. But that story of America was staying out. They got bombed by the Japanese government, and then that. Put them into the war, and a few years later, you know the whole thing ends. Like, I, I think 
there, there's got to be some appeal that draws people to those stories, and it's almost kind of like a a prejudice towards those stories, and that's why they they they'll always find some audience. You know, people going to West Africa to tell them the story that's not entirely true. Um, and and sure, I, but then then get then get out of here with your moral clarity right. shit. Like because, <laughs> because if all you if all you're doing is presenting what you believe to be the right thing in your pretty little in your pretty little package of lies because you don't appreciate the fact that a pretty little package of lies was presented to you right. uh, in in service of a narrative that you believe is wrong like and who knows maybe ultimately uh, the sixteen just uh, not not that this is what they're doing but imagine the, the sixteen nineteen project p- type of. P- person establishes that america is actually founded on slavery in 1619 it's our original sin and we can never recover from it and and the project fails right and that 300 years from now america is no longer a thing and it's because they injected in in 2019 they injected into this into the conversation uh the idea like it's it's the it's the it's what happened in Inception. They they incepted into right. Maul's head uh, 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 a thing that eventually made her go crazy, and it crashed the whole fucking thing. And then the train plows through her, and everybody's dead. Right. Uh, that's what they did with the six. Imagine that that's what they did with the sixteen nineteen project. Is that a better moral outcome than America just continuing on and having a billion no, people a hundred no, years but, from now? But and, at least, I mean, the the current conventional American story is cleaned up a lot right it's a very streamlined hey the fucking so is right, right. so is the nar- so is the narrative be. of every single nation and individual no, but that's what I'm saying. So, walking or every single asshole walking the street right. today thinks that they're the hero of the story that's true. The main they're the protagonist right? in right. the movie <laughs> right they're the main character in the movie and they can do no wrong right and that, but that's how everybody no, but, is, uh, right? But that's the point that uh, I thought I was making is that this is not an outlier situation. This is in keeping with how it always goes. And people don't like the sausage making in Congress, but the myth making process, when you see it live, is kind of like, ugh, what are you doing? That's not what happened. But in 20 years, that's what people will think. I want to talk about this also in terms of something that I don't think that we've talked about on the show, which is a few weeks ago or months ago now. My younger brother was being interviewed because he's a big famous person. Oh, on, look on, at him on Twitter. Uh, he was being interviewed what? on a live a Twitter podcast. interview. The, Twitter has this feature where, like, you can do a live show. I forget what it's called. They have some sort of a. It's like I'm not going to be able to come up with it it's off the top of my head like right Twitter now. Twitter Live or something. It is. Don't something worry like, about it. Or Twitter Spaces, I think, is what oh. they call it. I did come up with it off the top of my head. Good for and you. And you, you can host a Twitter space and then interview a number of people, and then also anyone can listen in on it. I happen to be cleaning my house one pleasant Friday morning or afternoon, and I got a notification that uh, so-and-so was, being inter- was, was going live on Twitter Spaces, and I could listen if I wanted to. It turned out to be my brother, who does uh, NFT and, and AI artwork on the, on the Internet, right. was going to be interviewed by somebody else who does that sort of thing. And so I, you know, I'm the weirdo who listens to my siblings when they do stuff. My sister now listens, too, so I can't say that none of them are. I think Andrew <laughs> still listens, too. But uh, I'm the weirdo who's like, oh, my sibling is doing a thing. I'll listen to that. And... This has nothing to do with the thing that they were actually talking about. And in fact, I could tell this whole story without even mentioning the fact that it's related to, Je- to, to Jesse, my brother. But I wanted to make the point 
that it's not something that I just saw some random person doing or or a quote tweet from like Andrew Sullivan or some other anti woke person right. complaining about this thing, but in fact something that I encountered in the wild, which is that uh, the the history of the the Stonewall riots in New York came up. And the person who was doing the interview presented the Stonewall riots as uh, having been instigated by essentially the the meme that goes around in these – essentially in gender-critical circles is the first brick at Stonewall was thrown by a black trans woman, right? Not – not that because uh, the traditional history of the Stonewall riots is just that the cops came in and busted up the gay club because they were mad at all the gays and the gays revolted and there was violence and it was bad and that was like the birth of pride right. in New York City. And right? it was general like that. It was like the gay and lesbian community on one side and the law enforcement uh, on the other side. It wasn't like right. Also, for what it's worth, like we can say the gay. Now we say. LGBTQ plus community or whatever. This is it was mostly gay men yeah. who were there, right? Like yeah, <laughs> the I, fact I, of the matter is, uh, among their privileges, by the way, right? right. Among, so, so for all of the ways that they were shat upon by the culture for a very long time, to an extent, relative to other aspects of of the quote unquote community, they had the relative privilege of of being able to gather. I mean, and yeah, also, eventually the the cops showed up and busted heads, right? And and this is kind of revisionist. Uh, although I guess you, from this present moment you can uh, dissect it that way, but like somebody could argue that the gay white person could pass in con- you know the regular society, nobody would know, right? You know, but other people could not do the same, and so they're drawing and distinctions now. The point here is that there's a, a, a sort of meme has come to life in the gender critical area of of being online which says that the first brick at stonewall was thrown by a black trans woman it's just not it's not verifiable it's almost certainly not true the way that we think like it's a classic presentism thing because first of all using the words black trans woman is 1000 percent not the way that this imaginary person who by the way doesn't actually exist but if they did exist that person would not refer to themselves in uh, 40 or however many years ago as a black trans woman, they would have thought of themselves as as a, a tranny or a cross-dresser. And those are, those are uh, slurs that I just came out of my mouth. Right. But they wouldn't have been At the time. 45 years ago right. or whatever, right? So – but the reason- so that's a classic case of presentism, and this is, and it now gets presented as this meme of the the first brick at Stonewall was thrown by a black trans woman, as as one one hundred percent true, and not because it's verifiable, which it's not, and not because it's true, which it's not, but because it's good. It's the right? better story, but- right? Basically, you always have to ask yourself what, at least for the the present audience like what makes it's, the, for- it's a better story for the current moment right yes right and basically it's like uh i mean at some point uh once the dust settles and that's why i always think like uh, we're kind of go in, in this moment people are, are being a little stupid but the dust will settle and then this will uh be uh changed to oh it's an apocryphal story it didn't actually happen and i think that'll be their like escape hatch from when evidence uh, that goes against what they think is true now uh, comes to light, you know? And I don't know if that will happen, but, like, this is definitely a story, if true, that is very coincidental to the fact that you want it to be true. Like, this is definitely, I want this story to be true because right. it serves it, my interest today. 
and it er- and it and it's a classic case of so-called erasure. Like we talk about erasure, in, or, or they talk about erasure in these sorts of spaces, right. where they say like, uh, if you don't center black trans voices, then you're erasing their experience or whatever. Like it's a classic case of erasing a correct victim class and replacing them with a more correct victim right. class, right? right? Whereas the white the white male homosexual is no is now an oppressor in these circles right he 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 barely even qualifies we go back to what they said about buddha judge in in slate of all places and in and in salon and other just left-leaning news magazines of just uh, a few years ago where they're talking about pete buddha judge as this uh, exemplar of white supremacy and, and well privilege of white privilege specifically and how uh, he doesn't get any claim to the the mantle of victimhood that that uh, people of color and and other no- and and lesbians should get because he's just a gay white male who lives his normie gay right. white life and essentially passes with his gay white husband and that they be, it is like because they have the white picket fence and because they have the adopted children that somehow they're performing they're they're doing a performance of heteronormativity as they do gay stuff in their lives like it's just completely fucking insane has a position been taken this is slightly related but not really but remember when uh uh, the whole rosa parks thing happened with a bus right Mm -hmm. like if you read into it like this was like a by design thing because there were other examples and the woman was like pregnant or it, it wasn't as good of a presentation as rosa parks and so they promoted that story over the other story do you right which yeah. and and it was a, and it was a plan it right. was yeah. it, it was an idea right. it wasn't just something Is that, that yeah, but right. i didn't find that out until like after high school okay probably but, on the history channel or a netflix documentary or something right like i was told the whole time there was this poor woman sitting by herself and she refused to go and like that is what happened but it was a setup Right. But like, well, sure, but that's a, I don't know. It's like complaining about the way that we were taught about the Black Panthers in high school as a, a violent uh, radical group, and then and then on Twitter these days, it's like, oh, the Black Panthers were just trying to give breakfast to poor kids, and uh, they got they got unfairly portrayed. It's like, no, it's not that fucking simple. Right. It was like the idea that either they have to be the devil or they have to be uh, the saviors of the of the entire project. I mean, it's it's a classic. Everything is everything, right? Uh, Problem. But again, I I think that's why it, we should at least appreciate the 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 strong interest in changing the story to fit whatever people want, like in the marketplace. Like people want these stories, and someone will provide that, and they'll go with it. You know, so like if pe- okay, but like my question is then wh- it it surely it matters. Yes, that the true that the true thing is still the true thing. Yes, and and like when I pushed because I I texted uh, Jesse after his or or as his thing was going on, I was like, you know that this is I'm not trying to get into an argument or anything, but I I tripped over when somebody on this Twitter space said that that the first brick at Stonewall was thrown by a black trans woman. Like that's that's simply not true, and it's uh, not to make a big thing out of it. But it's worth – I think it's worth knowing the actual truth of these sorts of things, right, rather than uh, to just accept new narratives because somebody else is saying them. Like the, the true thing still matters. And he's like, yeah – and his response was 
Yeah, I think that's just that's about trying not to erase black trans voices or or whatever. And I was like, okay, like I'm I'm definitely not going to argue about it with you. But like it it gives me serious pause when I hear people say things and acknowledge that something might not be really true, but that that doesn't matter right. because it's doing a greater good in some way to tell the other story. And I I just rarely think that a greater good is done by telling a lie. Right. right? But the thing is, the the problem is in it's like most likely not true, but there's no specific evidence saying what happened. But people are kind of coloring in a story that fits them, right? So it's like you tell them there's no evidence to support that. Oh, what are you trying to do? Race, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, ah, oh, fuck it. Believe what you want. Abe, I got a very brief quiz for you. Oh, here we go. All right. Stop me when I get to something that uh, makes you feel uncomfortable. This is not a quiz. Okay. Just uh, <laughs> stop Stop me when, when I get to something that doesn't feel right. Okay. This is uh, uh, rules for bringing guests into a house. Okay. Your, your off-campus living arrangement. A guest limit per house member is five guests. All guests must wear masks in common spaces. Seems seems reasonable, right? This is a current uh, rule or like – Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, this semester. Always announce guests in the guest chat if they will be in common spaces with you hmm. and if they are white. No. Uh, what? <laughs> what's wrong? <laughs> We got what's, some honkies coming. Announce them how. <laughs> Can you announce it any way you want? <laughs> Guests are allowed in common spaces, but please be mindful if there are house members in the room beforehand. White guests are not allowed in common spaces. <laughs> Do not leave guests alone in common spaces to avoid house members assuming it's a stranger and alerting the house chat. Avoid bringing parents, family members that express bigotry. Queer, black, and indigenous members should not have to avoid common spaces because of homophobic or racist parents, family members. Okay, wait. This is a private person's home? This is a co-op house Okay. off campus at Berkeley. I feel like this is, given that context, sure. It's called... Uh, the the Pac House, P- person of color yeah. house. I assumed that this was a weird lie or joke. No, that sounds right. There's no idea too stupid uh, these days, but you do kind of have to be careful about these stories to see how accurate they are. But this is actually a thing. Yeah, and so of course I do the thing where I like start googling around, and the first three pages of results are all. Only the absolute worst news outlets covering this story, whether it's yeah, that's... <laughs> uh, the, the Tucker Carlson or the Ben Shapiro types or, or uh, maybe National Review does a blog on it. And it's like, OK, maybe I can trust that. Yeah. And there's a Fox News story, which is like, eh, maybe, <laughs> probably, reasonably, at least the bare basics of it must be true. I can ignore all of the stuff in between. There's nothing worse when a story is picked up almost in exclusively by like the culture warrior Media outlets, it's yep. like, ah, oh, these fucking people. Yeah. So I found another site that not only confirms that, or further confirms that it is true, but takes Lori's position, which is true and it's good. No, uh, not that it's good. <laughs> no, I didn't say it was good. Uh, yeah. It's just that, like, if a bunch of people want to get together and make rules like that, like, okay. Yes, like, the I, same. What white person would want to go to that house. Uh, for example, the parent of one of these mixed race yeah, children. I was gonna sure, assume but then they need to be aware that it's a hypersensitive space. Like these people who chose to live here lived there 
for a very specific reason. It's because they're bad people. Also, that's why they yeah, chose sure. to leave. Them, I mean, to be clear, bad people is a bit strong, but they're not necess- They're not good people because, first they're of all, wi- wildly misguided people. Forgive me for calling you bad people. People who will never hear this, you are. <laughs> Entirely misguided in the way that you approach yeah. the world, and I'm sorry that the world has made you the way that you are. Also, and you should be better. I mean, setting the race stuff aside, but on the sexual orientation front, do they think that those kind of phobias are exclusive domains of white people? You don't think black people hate? Yeah, people? I got I got some news for you, uh, people of color. Yeah, about like, about homophobia. It, <laughs> it's like I, I don't know what it is that they're trying to accomplish. Also, eventually have to go out right to the store. Yeah, but what that's the thing. Like you go out and you no longer have those rules. Right. But in that house you can like fucking relax. Right. It's utterly indefensible like, and I can't believe that you're even gesturing in the direction of defending it. But basically it's it's I think Lord's point this is like a isolated like per- private kind of setting. Like if this was like a dormitory like yeah, did that unacceptable. That'd be a lot worse, but like I don't know who would feel comfortable going like if I, as a black person, somebody invited me to this shitty-ass place. I wouldn't go just because I meet your stupid little requirement. Like, why would I yeah, want to be, be associated with you people? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Why would anybody want to go there? I mean, I of course, the easiest game in the world to play is just flipping on its head. and, yeah. <laughs> and like. Yes, but sure. No, I'm sorry. I don't care about the weight of history in this case. I don't no, 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 I'm not saying the weight of history. I'm saying if this is going to be just a house of white people... And if you're going to have a black person over, you better announce it. It's the same, like, all right, if that's how you guys want to live, it's awfully weird. But I'm not going to bring my black friends over. I imagine there would be a protest if that happened. Like, if there was any other combination of events, it would be like... What you wouldn't have is you wouldn't have liberal outlets on the internet being perfectly happy with this thing. Or or just letting it go without commentary, right? right? And that's, I guess... Dumb as media criticism is, that's my main problem here, which is that if this was flipped on its head, it would be a story for months. It would end a college. And instead, Berkeley can just say, no comment. That's an off-campus thing. It doesn't have anything to do with us, so we don't have anything to say. If this was on its, if this was reversed, there would be there would be presidential commissions. There would there would be uh, there would be uh, giant piles of reparations being considered, being paid out to current and former uh, students. Like it, it would just be completely unacceptable. And the fact that only Stephen fucking Crowder is going to talk about it on the internet instead of somebody from a more rational standpoint pointing at this and saying hey this is bad and not to dump on the students necessarily but like what in the world are we doing in the way that we build our culture and and not not purely from like yeah sure there's some white supremacy yes there's that but also like what are we doing to black kids as people who would proclaim black lives matter that this is the this is their reaction because this is no way to be in the world even no even if you buy into the entire question of of systemic white supremacy and all the rest it can't possibly be the cor- correct reaction is to build a, a or is to have a private house where you have to announce that a white person is coming over before they're allowed in and also that white person can't be allowed to sit on a couch in the ante room and have a coke with you because somebody might stumble out of their bedroom and find him and then have violence done upon them right and also i mean in some in one respect at least you're kind of propping up the racial classification system forever right like you'll never get past this if 
that's the only thing that matters. If that's like currency, but like in an upside down kind of way, like it matters, but like to our benefit and not to your benefit. Like, I don't know how that solves anything, but the problem with the way these stories spread is that it is of great importance to the Crowder's chowder guys of the world than it is to like most media outlets. Like this wouldn't rise to a new story on its own. Right. But it, it does, it is, uh, fodder for culture war people, right? So it'll get picked up in all these media outlets and it'll become a story. But the, but the point is that it would rise to if it the level the of other the New way, York yeah, Times right. and the Washington Post having an endless series of articles about it. And NPR right. would have a fucking field day with this right. if it was reversed, right. right? So that's the point, is that you, you don't tell me that it's just the right wing doing the culture war right. when it is in fact being, no, uh, it is being yeah. fought on all sides. Right. It's just a question of whether it aligns with your priors or right. not. And also, it costs so, you nothing to just say this is wrong. Right, like you're not losing ground anywhere. Well, you're you're giving in to Tucker Carlson. That's your concern. I mean, this thing on its face is wrong. The process is wrong. Whatever you're trying to cultivate is wrong. It may not be the end of the world, and you know they're in their right, I guess, to to discriminate on race. I don't know. I don't know what the rules are, but um, but all the people that are just like, I'm not gonna even talk about it. Just yeah, that's kind of fucked up, and move on. Like it's not the biggest thing, but like whatever. It's a stupid thing. Well, it's like that that thing Dan Savage was talking about, that, like, uh, conservatives-only dating service, dating thing. Yeah. It's like that. Like, all right, have your weird racist club. I don't want to belong to it, so we'll both be fine. It's doubling down on making everything about race rather than about literally anything else. And it's funny. It's like the... Like, the reason that you talk about the slave trade that we were talking about earlier with the Ghana thing, right? It's important to an extent, not that it absolves America of racism to say that black Islamists in Africa uh, fucking 400 years ago were a large part of the slave trade and that black people took other black people and sold them to uh, black slave traders who also sold them to white slave traders, right? right? So the the point of that is that this wasn't ever actually about race totally, right? Yeah, to, there's, there's no denying it. You cannot extract from the African slave trade and the American slave trade race from the equation. It's impossible. Right. It's completely inseparable. But it is also the case that black people uh, were often in charge of enslaving other black people, right? right? Because it's not entirely about race. While it's inseparable from the question of race, it's not just about race. It's about power, which is actually a narrative that fits in perfectly yeah. neatly yeah. with the way that these people see the world up until the moment that you can uh, that you have to invent the victim class, right? right? That that it that 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 all of the Concerns about power are immediately subsumed by having the right victim uh, at the at the end of the story. Right, and I think that's what a lot of people don't want to give up. It's like this is a white on black crime that happened in this specific instance, but like slavery as a whole, there's evidence of it everywhere. You know, it, I think it enslaved from the it Slavs, the Slavic people, else. or whatever. It, the, well, in the Caribbean, it was so bad. Right, but it happened in many different places, and so it's like. You could basically say, yeah, that's true, but also this specific example is also true. Like, if you could do both, that would be fine. But people are like, oh, you're trying to dilute the damage done right. by it's talking just about American the other. Exceptionalism right. turned on its head, right? right? It's it's taking it's it's saying that America was the worst rather than America was the best, and that things were actually better everywhere else. And it's simply it's simply not right. the case. 
And I don't know what larger purpose it's meant to serve. The racism stuff is like, I don't know. This is not something that's worth talking about at length or anything, but I misheard a Green Day lyric uh, while we were in the car a few weeks ago. Uh, And it was, it's the old uh, Green Day song, uh, American Idiot. And he sings, I, I always heard it as America the Aryan nation is what it sounds like uh, he's saying in that song. Let me see if so I can pull up that? the... So it's not that? That's my recollection, too. I'd like to point out that Green Day has sucked for a very long time. I thought that what's-his-face there? Billy Joe. Billy Joe had been singing all across the Aryan nation. Alienation. He's saying all across the alien nation. Yes, yes. it's a pun. It, it's, I get that it's a pun, wow. but I have always heard it. And by the way, I Googled, I'm not the only one. Of course you're not the only it's one, a, it's but a, like, it's one of there's those a classic, lot of idiots out there. It's a classic misheard lyric. All across the alien nation. But I always thought that he was singing about the Aryan nation. And then I heard it again this past week when we were in the car and we listened to this Amazon original podcast series where these uh, these musicians talk about their – it's called Words Plus Music. Some of them are really good. Some of them are not that good. Uh, <laughs> this The Billy Joe one was not that good. And I don't blame Billy Joe. There are a lot of good stories. But whoever – because the, the the way that they do this is they only here it was all over the place. Yeah, they don't have someone interviewing them, or what they do they do obviously have someone interviewing them, but they cut out all of that other person, so it sounds like it's just the musician okay. sort of monologuing about their life. But the person who was driving the bus in this case, whoever was interviewing Billy Joe, did a very bad job of like making clear where we were in time since 1988 basically okay. like we I just had no idea what was happening we're skipping over whole eras of green day relevance and and the the beck one was much better and a couple of the other really ones good. that I listened to were much better largely because either he was better at staying on task or presenting things in a coherent way or the interviewer was in this case the billy joe interviewer I'm going to blame it on the interviewer <laughs> because I, I yeah not that I care about right. Billy Joe, but I mean, I don't want to put it on him. Anyway, point is, I thought he was singing Aryan Nation. And this, I can't believe that. I'm shocked to find that out. Sure. Again, so now I'm going to go off on a tangent about something that I thought because of a misheard lyric that I have since corrected in my own mind, right? So what are we even talking about here? Uh, I don't not, know, but it is getting late. It's not clear. But when there's there's something about when people talk about this country as a as a place of and for white people right. in in that sort of shorthand, it makes me like incredibly sad because that's not my experience of this country whatsoever, right? Like we are whatever like and and this is caveat all of the awful shit about America, right? Like I, I recognize all of it. I'm also, not... caveat: you are a white man, right? Sure, I'm not blind are you to that either. Present day America, or just because the totality of America, a lot of it was that, right? 
Right. I don't know. I'm not denying the crimes against the natives. I'm not right. denying the crimes against the Africans who were brought over. I'm not the denying Chinese, yeah. the on, right. I'm not or or what or happened the in the Irish, 40s with the yeah, Japanese. Yeah. Right. And, and and the Italians before yeah. they were considered white, right? Like endless series of crimes perpetuated against one group after another based on whoever <laughs> was convenient group? to hate. By, by which group? By the group the... that was in power. By the group with the most fucking guns and money. Okay. Yeah, sure. The, the Anglo-Saxons, uh, the Waspy types. And so, yeah, whatever. But the idea that that we are the Aryan nation, and, and again. Right. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Billy Joe. This is that show is like fifteen years old now. This you is, thought this that long. This isn't about you, but it's not an uncommon way of framing America as this whites-only space, right. right? It's and it just bums me out because it is so clearly not the experience of the overwhelming majority of people, and I don't even, I don't even mean white people, like. My literal best friend is this is is you, uh, right? Like last that check, I'm not uh, a my, my other adult best friend, his dad was a illegal immigrant from Iran, huh. right? The kid that I went to college with who was my best friend freshman year in college was Hockey? also per, was a uh, another Iranian of of questionable uh legal descent. Like it's just uh, all the kids on the that I knew in high school, overwhelmingly white high school, still in my friend circle, my extended, not my immediate friend circle, but my extended friend circle, largely not white. And it's like, it's, I just don't get it. I don't understand dismissing the entire project as some sort of white supremacist idea. It's just not been my experience. But you don't think other people's different experience leads them to that conclusion, just the same as it would, because. No, I fully understand. But what I'm saying, it's the same as we were talking about earlier, where it's just it's this meme, yeah. and it's it's perpetuated as right. meme with no no further insight or analysis or questioning about it. It's just it's it's tossed off like a misheard song lyric, right. uh, or 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 any anything else. Right. Like I, I don't, I, I th- again, I, it's I, not something that's worth extended discussion. Right. I, I will, it's just something that I've been thinking. Right, about. but I will say though, just as a general rule. Uh, nothing goes more unexamined than a criticism to a group you don't belong to. So, like somebody like, ah, they did something wrong. You're like, ah, well, whatever, that's not my problem, and you move on. Like, so, most people, if you say, oh, this is a white Aryan, whatever, they're like, oh, I guess I'm gonna eat my Subway sandwich or whatever, and move on. And every now and again, there'll be some stupid little group, some like white Christian nationalism. Outburst somewhere from Eastern Washington State, and people are like, ah, huh? see, there's always gonna be some sort of fuel that adds to it, even though you lose perspective if you're focusing on like one little segment of a 300 million plus right. country. Right. It just like taking holistically the project as a whole. I just, I, I always. Again, it goes back to me thinking this is like actually this is a great fucking country. Like, and it's trending <laughs> and, in the right direction. Keep at it. All right, we can move on from this real quick. On uh, Joe Biden is going to announce something tomorrow with regards to the student loan uh, situation. It's been two and a half years or something since they first suspended payment of federal student loans, and that's expiring unless Biden does something about it. And it looks like there's going to be a targeted means tested ten thousand means tested targeted ten thousand dollars or less forgiveness of certain kinds of student loans uh, after he promised a much more expansive version of student loan forgiveness on the campaign trail. This is going to upset uh, the Bernie Sanders 
of the left and also a, a whole host of uh, the professional class who in in this country is vastly over overrepresented in national media and on Twitter who believes that forgiving student loans is easy and good and obvious and it should just be done in one fell swoop. But it seems like a, I think that we've talked yeah. about this before. Yeah, we did. What I want to still want to know who forced all these people to go to college. Right. Yeah. Yeah, first of all, yeah, what Laura said is true, but also the just wave all of this debt away is not a workable solution because it's just going to exacerbate the already too high cost of tuition because now it's going to be like we can charge 120000 a year because a friendly administration yeah, 20 years from I, now. I think th- we must have had this conversation already. Yeah, we did. And we should just make the same points but faster this time. Or You're just, just going to inject a steroid into the cost of college right. by promising to forgive all federal student loans because then the colleges can charge whatever they want. And then they can say not only will you not have to pay interest while you're in school, not only will it be reasonable for you to pay off with your great degree because you're going to be making $80,000 a year as soon as you get out of college, but on top of that, after a mere 10 or 20 years, the government's going to come in and forgive the loans right. anyway because everybody's going to be mad about the fact that they've got student loans again in a long time. So don't worry about right. it. Right. If anything, they should just be like a forward-looking – come up with a solution going forward. Maybe have the, the, the student loans tied to certain fields and say everything else we're not going to – so like these things are worth it to us so the government will guarantee these things. Like I don't know if it's – just STEM degrees, but like or whatever, like targeted, but like uh, teaching people are paying forty thousand a year for like a sociology Nurses? degree, right? So it's like yeah, or teaching and if, <laughs> well, don't need any more fucking STEM people. Exactly, We're yeah. good on STEM people. Something like that. And if you work five years, ten years, or whatever, it'll be kind of like the, the public service thing that they have, like some sort of give and take anybody anybody who wants to go into elder care in this country yes. for the next 50 fucking right. years we will pay for you to go to right. school right? yeah things like work, that work something like that into yeah. this fucking scenario right. if you're not going to if you're not going to attack the actual root of the problem this is nothing but a bullshit political handout which is going to satisfy no right. one because it's not going to satisfy the people who want uh total forgiveness of all loans which is the most vocal part of your but also of your d- coalition over there didn't they say about like 30 this will clear out the debt for like 30% of the people. There's a lot of people that owe a lot. You know, they have these professional degrees. Yeah, that's their fucking problem. And by the way, I have no problem whatsoever with forgiving the loans of the dopes who signed up who signed up and got predatory loans for these for-profit no, colleges. Right. Someone like that's, did sort of force them right, to go to that's college. Right, that's something different entirely, right. and that I have no problem fucking over uh, the, the people who hold the note on those. Right, I don't understand why anybody would... Although, ultimate, ultimately, it's the fucking taxpayer. Right. Uh, but... but Whatever. We don't have to talk any more about that. I don't think that it's a particularly uh, good idea politically for him to do this. But to do anything at all? Matter. I mean, have to, you know, throw a bone and move out. You know, like ten. Sure. Th- you know. Throw throw a, a very small yeah. bone at at only the the neediest people who like fix fix the. There was a story in ProPublica and on NPR for years about how they. All of the loan forgiveness programs, like the federal loan forgiveness programs, where if you teach for X amount of years, then you get your loans forgiven. And like 6% yeah. of people I mean, who applied for them were getting their loans forgiven like pers- despite having fulfilled all of the obligations. Right. Like fix those right. fucking problems. Right. Yeah. Actually, there was uh, yeah, that makes way more sense. There was one example where it wasn't like percent. It was like like 10 applications out of all of them were passed. It was like some ridiculously You're small. Right. It wasn't percent. It was just six, I think, is why it's like- it's some absurdly low number. All right, real quick, on the New York Times, 
and their propensity for talking about how rich people have it rough. <laughs> They're just like us. I sent, I, I sent you this link about, let's see, what is the headline here? Too many times stories are open. There it is. It was, the yeah. East Hampton house was perfect, except for one thing. Now, Abe, uh, I don't know about you. But I was thinking that perhaps the one thing was like it was fucking Harvey Weinstein's Hampton Retreat. Yeah, like, like mur murder. Yeah, that's like, like, yeah, every previous owner has been murdered. Right. It, not only was it Harvey Weinstein's place, but the casting couch was permanently fused into the pool area of this place and could not be removed. Or like the worst neighbor. Right. Yeah. Right. That would not would not move, and like their family owned the land surrounding. Right. It was a perfect house, house except <laughs> that the guy who owned the place next door had a grandfathered in clause right. that allowed him to run a hundred and fifty foot tall pole with a four hundred square foot Confederate flag yeah. flapping in the breeze. Like that, I could see that was the downside right. of this otherwise perfect East Hamptons escape. You know. Uh, if if you think about it, this problem only existed for a very short period of time. So depending on when you wrote the article, there could have been other problems. Like because the house wasn't moving ready yet, right? It was a, that was a problem. The passage of time right. solved that. They got the they got a real <laughs> they got a real crabgrass problem, perhaps. <laughs> like they, they, no, the fescue just won't fucking grow, and the dandelions <laughs> keep coming back like that. That, that could be a problem. Uh, <laughs> No, it turns out, Abe, that this nine, eight or nine million dollar uh, newly built mansion uh, simply hadn't been furnished yes. yet, and that—that that was what was wrong with the house. I don't see how that's not a perk. Well, I, what's amusing about that is there's no way in hell that the people who bought the house didn't see this uh, exactly as a perk. Now, the the problem is that it wasn't furnished specifically. During the pandemic, yes. because they closed on the house in the summer of 2020 uh, for like eight plus million dollars, and the house was empty. And there was, uh, in the future and very shortly, there's going to be a supply chain problem right. where all of their fancy furniture that was being shipped from everywhere was stuck in the South China Sea or what have you. The future of the past. Yes, the future of okay. the past. So they had a. It took it took a full year after they bought this house for the house to end up fully outfitted they spent a million fucking dollars uh, it was over nine hundred thousand dollars to put furniture in this house including uh a twenty five thousand nine hundred dollar chandelier over the dining room table well, of course. you can't move in till that's there in obviously and you, can, you can't cheap out on that you can't spend eight million dollars and have some cheapo chandelier you gotta splurge including in the guest room a bed that cost $11,000 and two pendant lights hanging down where normally you just have bedside lamps. But instead of bedside lamps, they have $3,000 pendant lights uh, each. So six grand just in lights for the guest room. Uh, a a $3,000 bed for one kid, a $8,000 bunk bed for the other kid. Uh, fuck these people, by the How way. How much do OBGYNs get paid? And like I was saying paid? earlier, what? 
The, both, both these are like some doctor types. Like, do they get paid that? Two doctors. Two doctors. Yes. These are, this is previously wealthy people. I, I yeah, do not I, accept. Yeah, if they get paid 400000 each, let's say, I mean, can they play no, 10 times? No, doctors make a lot of fucking money and they never work. He's not just an OBGYN. He's an OBGYN who started his own practice uh, and it's like a fancy fucking – It's called pure OBGYN, <laughs> which means they probably charge like $180,000 for you to have your baby because it's pure. Maybe they also do IVF or something. Yeah. Yeah. But still, anyway, I learned in my economics class that these people are just fine and that this is great that they bought this house that wasn't furnished and had to furnish it. (laughs) And that's fine. And we should tax them less because they're going to work less if you tax them more. Lori's been mad at the economics textbook because it's insisting that there is a trade-off between higher taxes and productivity and that if you raise taxes over a certain point then people simply won't work as much like it's just a there's an argument about where that point is but it's just a fact that if you're going it states it as though it's it like it's fucking gravity Like, oh, yeah, if you tax people more, they just won't want to work and everything will fall apart. Fuck these people. Tax the fuck out of them. So these these people, yes. Also, the way that you solve this is not is not with uh, a higher income tax necessarily. The way that you solve this is with a consumption tax. Sure, tax and- them more. I don't give a shit what that textbook says. There's no amount of money that okay. you could but take the argument from them. That- it's hard for me to say this again because I've already said it to you. But when we talk about these people, we're not talking about the people that you think that we're talking I'm about. Talking about the people who bought this house. <laughs> right, you're, okay, then we're talking about like the top one tenth of one tenth of one percent of income earners. Talking about the in Bozo guy, Bezos, of, or you mean like somebody right. not as rich as him? Right. She's taught. So these people are not Bezos, but Bezos exists in a in a rarefied class of his own. Bezos and Elon Musk, like they're weirdos. By the way, like that's not. I'm talking about these hidden, absurdly wealthy people that we don't know who they are. They just these aren't an anomaly. No. These people have neighbors and friends that make the same amount of money that they do. I probably walked by them during a hike one of these days, you know? They hike just like us. Like, they're all over also, the place, and they don't need the amount of money they have. You, you know that uh, it was like a black trans person that threw the first rock? Like, the, yeah. the, the story that people want to tell because they want it to be true. I suspect that the rich people who were making this argument that, like, taxing us too much is a bad thing. It's one of those, like... I want this to be true so I don't have to pay yes, as much in taxes. the people that write the textbooks are in cahoots. Because has there been any evidence of that in in the history of the United States where like, oh, nobody wants to work because of taxes? Usually they'll come up with some sort of loophole. Like no matter what the top, top tax rate was back in the day, nobody paid that. They just come up with some bullshit to get out of it, right? So – well, also the top tax rate is on ta- like it's a progressive tax right. system. It only taxes on you on that specific amount above whatever right. yeah. money above a certain right. level right. or what have you. Right, but yeah, everybody pays the same taxes on the first twenty thousand dollars that they earn, and they pay the same taxes on the first hundred thousand dollars. Just saying that, they that earn. this economics is no better than psychology. Right. This is yeah. pseudoscience <laughs> bullshit <laughs> that takes true. no facts and real life into account. Right. It's made up bullshit. Right. It's also wildly intuitive, and I I love. Like basic economics no, the in the math same way that I, fun. in the same it's way hard. that I loved basic physics. Yeah, the uh, math part is it's... fun. This isn't the math part. This is the bullshit pseudoscience <laughs> part. The yeah. wish fulfillment part. This is. There's another article in the Times that I read along this line about uh, 
new hotel that's opening that you can rent a room there for $3,200 a night on the cheap end. And you can spend There's as much. People. You can spend as much as thirty six thousand dollars a night if you want to get a suite there. And like I, every, I go through different phases in my uh, we should fucking kill and eat the rich uh, or well, not sort of. We should do. We shouldn't kill and eat them. We should just take their fucking money. Right. If we're gonna take their money in order to forgive the student loans of a bunch of fucking uh, journalists. No, 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 no. <laughs> no put it in. Fucking pay teachers. It's so obvious. Yeah, teachers. It's so old annoying people. how obvious everything By is. By the way, in this uh, place with uh, uh, very poor people and very rich people staying in a common area, do they? Do the poor people have, have to give advance notice that they're going to be in the common areas? Bef- yeah, before rich that's because they're the help. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be mingling with you poor people. Anyway, I'll link to both of these stories. I don't know what the correct... Answer. I know Lori is saying we should just tax them more. Uh, my correct answer for any of these sort of questions of conspicuous consumption or all of this money that these people have is that we need to move away from an income tax system because it's really, really easy to yeah. cheat on your income taxes or to, as Abe is saying, just take advantage of the various legal loopholes that have been built into the system to accommodate you specifically uh, and instead have a consumption tax yes. that – that's obviously the better answer, but it's that not set up for that right that now. That exempts poor people or, or gives them in the in the way that the, the old fair tax like a suggested. rebate or something because it, it, the consumption a, tax yeah. is kind of a regressive kind of thing. So there's a way right. to offset but, it. But if, if you build in – if you combine it with a UBI right. and, and, and say that everybody just gets this or anybody who is worth less than a fucking million dollars or whatever gets this, then I think that you can solve a lot of the problems with it and – I have no problem whatsoever in saying that your fucking $3,000 bedside lamp is now going to cost $6,000 because uh, 3000 of those dollars are, are part of a an absurd sales tax. Well, like, and it's just the notion— People are going to pay it anyway. Like, obviously, there's no amount of money yeah. that is too much Ex- to that's pay what I'm saying. Like, for the a notion- fucking bunk bed. We, we spent $150 on the bunk bed for our kids. Is it because we don't love them enough? Like, <laughs> you spent $8,000 right. on a bunk bed for your fucking children? Are you out of your fucking mind? Well, it's just the notion that, that either of these people would be like, well, I could work half as much and make— Half as much money. Right. I'll do that. Right. Like, no, you fucking wouldn't. So, but it's not about gonna... money. It's not about income for these people. I'm sure that they make a very handsome salary, and especially if he started but his own practice, it's I something know. else entirely. It's not about. They would be just as productive or unproductive, no matter how much money they're making. Right, and they probably imagine themselves as upper middle yeah. class, which is the worst part of it. Like they think of themselves as just normal people. And the economics textbook. <laughs> says no they would be less productive if they made less money like bullshit 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 no but you're taking what you want to do is you want to take something that is that is a general rule about the way that uh economies balance themselves out which is that if you have a confiscatory tax system it will automatically make the economy less productive overall and you're saying that that applies specifically to these two people that we see in the new york times just these two people. i know but what i'm saying is that you're taking a systemic analysis and trying to apply it to individuals to and that's life, not what yeah. systemic analyses are for therefore understanding systems not individuals that's oh, all i'm systems getting guy it turns oh, out no, i'm not that <laughs> Today in our bogus future, the New York Times... Oh, it's time 
No, sorry. Today in our bogus future, Google is trying to ruin people's <laughs> lives. Abe, why don't you give us the rundown on this story? So, um, I didn't know parents did this. I don't have any kids, by the way. Uh, there was a story where this uh, parent, uh, the kid had some rash. You know, kids always pick up something. But this particular... He had an infected wiener. Yeah, his, his, this particular infection was on his penis, right? And so, these fucking doctors... Their penis. <laughs> The, these doctors, they should have known better. I'm not blaming them, but they're like, oh, yeah, just uh, shoot us a picture and uh, we'll uh, work you into the schedule. And so they absentmindedly did, like the wife and the husband did this thing. And it uploaded through the cloud to Google and these uh, robots who are scanning all these images flagged it for potential child sexual imagery. And yep. they basically blacklisted their entire existence uh, with any Google service product, right? So they had not only, you know, sucks. Gmail, like most people do, and like uh, a Google account, and uh, they had like that, right, for their go- that phone. Google Photos that they've had yeah. probably for the last 10 years. Yeah, they yeah. had that, that phone that Google has. Uh, yeah, I have, I'm on Google Fi as right, well. Right, Google Fi. Yeah. So basically, they got rid of everything, and they thought this would be an easy explanation because not only did they flag them and... Uh, banished them online, they referred the case to the cops, and the cops cleared them. Like, oh, obviously, this is not that, right? They, they kind of looked at the, their whole history, and this was just one specific issue for a specific purpose, and so they cleared Which, them. By the way, by the way, by the way, in order to get to the cops, for the cops to clear yeah. it, another human being yeah. had to look right. at the images right. and say that this is, in fact, child sexual right. imagery, right? right? And, and, it's not yeah. a... It's not enough. It's not the robot that did this. The robot did it automatically because that's what the robot is trained to do is to find pictures of little kids because he's a fucking creepy <laughs> robot. And somebody, that, that fucking creep robot spends its days trawling for pictures of naked children on the internet. Uh, but then it gets in the hands of some poor son of a bitch who has to look at the things that the robot says is child sexual imagery all day long and then decide whether or not it is, in fact, the thing. And they decided it was the right. thing. And I think... And, and, like, they have access to this person's entire Google life. Right. Which means that they could look at when the pictures were taken, what the pictures were, who the pictures were sent to, and all of the words that were associated with the pictures, right? Right. Presumably. I, I suspect uh, these uh, humans, because they're not an improvement on this algorithm, if they obviously see the context that the robot can't... Uh, determine or appraise uh, and they still stick to the ruling like so the guy appealed it and they say no fuck you and fuck you forever uh maybe they're thinking like they're gonna have like a dukakis kind of thing like oh he let out that willie horton guy and he raped somebody so like if they got the uh appeal wrong and they let the person back in and it turns out they were like the jared guy from subway uh then people like google had them and they let him back in, and they harmed more children. So they're like, Google had him, and they gave him to the right. cops. And the cops, and could, the, yeah. cops the cops cleared and him. Out. Then Google needs to let him back right. in. That's sorry. Yeah. That's just how it needs to work. Because the way that it works now is Google can permanently end this guy's digital yeah. life, or or erase this guy's digital life for the last ten years, or fifteen yeah, because years, so or much. twenty years. I mean, so I mean, in the story, they were talking about how you know these uh, two step authentication. Everything kind of goes to. Your everything is tied to my right. phone number and to my right. email, like 100% <laughs> of everything, whether it's the show, yeah. whether it's 
uh, any the, the thousands of or, or hundreds anyway of of logins that I have yeah. across the internet, it's all tied to two factor and my either my either my text message on my phone or my email. Then, then we say we have Google TV, we have Google products <laughs> in every room in our fucking house. My phone service itself, as I said, is provided by Google. Like. Everything in my life revolves around Google, and if Google decided I was a non-person anymore, right. I don't know. I literally don't know what the fuck I right. would do. And he's saying that he was going to have to sue Google in order to, to get the contents Apple. of his photos back, and he said he doesn't think that it's worth $7,000. I think that even though I don't have any fucking money— $7,000 is not that much. It and would it be worth be like ten grand. They will drag like, it out. It, Google will. I'm sure yeah. that they would, but like— I would have to pay right. it. No, that's yeah. Like there's like in in order to get back all of the photos of my children that I've taken in my in their entire lives, like you would pay almost anything right. for but that. But you know what's weird in when I'm reading that like what a what a schmuck, you know, sucks for him, but like you shouldn't have a single point of failure like one company. But I literally have 99% of my stuff is through Google. The only thing that's not is my phone, but everything on my phone is Google. Like literally every I got YouTube TV, YouTube Music, but, Aren't you, don't you still have like a Google Voice number? Yeah, in yeah, fact, that's right. Like <laughs> I got everything Google except my phone. And if I, I, it, you know, I guess the story is don't send pictures of your kid's wiener um, in the future. But like if you did anything of that nature, uh, no. But you can't do if you if the thing that you did wasn't right. wrong, then you didn't do anything right, wrong. But not, and that, it doesn't matter whether it's a picture of your right. kid's wiener that your pediatrician asked for. Yeah, I feel like the pediatrician is on the hook here. Right, but they probably because... didn't know how. They're just like, oh, no, but it like it's pandemic. They can't treat the kid in person without like without setting up the appointment ahead of time. I don't know how, but I I, I feel like the pediatrician should help them out. There's no helping out. Apparently, the the police department wants the cops have a full copy of all of their stuff and a spokesman for the police. And like, uh, to finish the thought, the spokesman for the police said that they will. work with him to try to get his photos back to him and all of his data back to him, which is good for them. But like Google, the and this is not some weird outlet or, or some nobody contacting Google. The New York Times doing this big story on this contacts Google and Google has no fucking right. comment for yeah. them. Google's response is simply, uh, there's a lot of terrible shit out there in the world and we're doing what we can to to stop it from happening. Right. And we have no further comment on this. Like, are, are you... You really think you can be that unaccountable to people? Yeah. And the answer is that, of course they do, because they have 7 billion fucking customers, which means effectively you're not a customer right. to them. As an individual, you do not right. matter. It's not even worth and it. And when you get... Yeah. It, it, when you get to that size, when you have that number of customers, and that goes that goes not just for Google, because they don't think, in the way that Facebook doesn't think of their customer base as being the people who actually log on to Facebook or Instagram or WhatsApp and use their thing. But instead they have a, a user, an individual uh, personality profile of every human being who's ever interacted digitally. Uh, any, anybody who thinks that they imagine is a person out there, they have a profile for that person so that they're, that, that, it's not that they have just the 1.2 billion people who use Facebook every day, but in fact they have the whole population of the fucking planet yeah. as as uh, as a concern for them. And you think that you can go and talk to them? Yeah. You think, like how many employees would they need to have in order for that to be right. the case? Yeah, I, I I suspect it's like you know back in the day when they used to say Oprah's so rich, like that if money fell out, like it wouldn't be worth going back to pick it up. It's like they have so many of these customers that they don't care. 
if the, if you're flagged wrong, there's no false positive. Fuck you. We don't need you. Go to Twitter or go somewhere else. In this, uh, one last thing I'll say, uh, in the New York Times article, they talk about this SAP B story. There was actually another uh, parent who faced the same thing in a different part of the country. Uh, but for this particular person, they it's for some reason, this could be just journalism, not like an editorial, but... They added this. He now uses a Hotmail address for email, which people mock him for. I thought <laughs> that was not necessary. <laughs> like, is he going to include that in the lawsuit? Like, I want $20,000 for lost whatever and like a million dollars for, like $8 for pain and for, suffering. For, for, yeah, no, it's pain and suffering because my fucking neighbors, every time I have to sign my kid up for soccer, everybody makes fun of me because I got a Hotmail account. And that hurts. I'm the real victim here. And he really is. Like, I think this is a huge no, fucking it, yeah, deal. It's, it's like, ridiculous. No joke. Especially I think this when it's is a clear-cut a, case. An enormous problem. Right. Especially when it's like a clear-cut. And in both examples, the cops cleared the people. They're like, oh, yeah, obviously, this is what happened. You're in the clear. Because if you were into this sort of thing, your your search history would be evidence of it. Like, it, it would be like multiple incidents of you looking up something or some other right. evidence, some other image. And there was none of that. But also, do you really want Google because you took a like? And and again, it, I, I'm quick to make it bigger than it is. But do you want Google to take a digital snapshot of your entire digital life and send it to the cops when you didn't right. do anything? Yeah. Like like when you you literally have done nothing wrong, and now Google has the ability to take everything about you in terms of the way that you interact with the outside world and just hand yeah. it to the police. And by the way, you don't even find out about it because the police try to call you and they can't get through because your fucking <laughs> Google phone won't pick up because Google canceled you. Like it's it's completely fucking it's bonkers. Crazy, yeah. It's it's wildly dystopian. It's a nightmare scenario. And, and I don't I don't know how you fix right. it. I don't know how you come back right. from it. Uh, the, the companies are just too fucking yeah. big. You can't solve the problem. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Just Google us. Castironbrains.com, brainiron.com. The opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. Mark Gillig, who this week asked me to write uh, the definitive Donald Trump movie. And I don't know how to do that. Don't know what the... Uh, tone would be don't know what the point would, would it be, be a movie we've been living in that movie that's been that's what we've been watching this whole what time. he said actually was a good point which is that it's a shame that philip seymour hoffman is dead in no small part because he might be the only person yeah. equipped to play yeah. trump correctly uh, and he really would have been great in that role and also uh, in my opinion, it's no longer Mark speaking, uh, discerning and smart enough to know which script of the many Trump scripts that will eventually be written would be the one that would actually be worth making. Right. We uh, have to wait till he's dead, first of all, yeah. which will never happen because we're in the movie. <laughs> I always thought uh, it would be fitting to have a documentary on him like remember um, OJ Made in America if they had like a, a Made in America sequel like Trump is very like only in America can the sequence of events. No, he's that. Would, he is. Would, he is. As I've said for a very long time, he is America through right. and through. He got. We, we not only we made him, we deserve him, and he is. He is the absolute worst of us, and always has been. And I said that long before he was the president of the United States. T e t r a m e r music dot com for more Mark Gillig takes. But 
specifically just like takes with the guitar and the piano. Uh, not about Philip Seymour Hoffman. Abe, did you make it to the movies this week? I uh, went to go see this Idris Elba movie, uh, Beast, about some uh, very formidable lion. Uh, he would be attacking people, you know. Idris Elba now in two movies with the word Beast in the oh, title. Oh, Beast of he No was Nation? in the Netflix movie, Beast, Beasts of No yeah, Nation. That's yeah, that's right. So in this movie, very, I mean, it's entertaining enough, but like, apparently the lion didn't take uh, didn't take kindly to all the poachers. And he assumes every human is a poacher. So he starts attacking the neighborhood, the, the, the town. And Idris Elba is bringing his two daughters who don't like him very much because he left his wife who eventually dies from some sort of disease. And this was supposed to be like, uh, hey, let's get back together uh, as a family. This is Africa? Yeah, somewhere in Africa. Uh, anyways, this lion is like the greatest lion ever. It's like the Michael Jordan is of it lions. like Jaws, but a lion? Yeah. He's killing everybody. Nice. Like when the you know what this reminds me of. Uh, uh, sorry, yeah. did you want to say anything else about this movie? No, what I'm saying is it opens with this is the greatest line ever. There are these uh, families worth of people who die on the spot. Like he's like swiping at them while they're like cooking and doing whatever. Like they didn't even have an opportunity to do anything about it. And then in the third act. Idris Elba is punching the lion, fighting back and forth. It's like, wait a minute. What happened to the ferocious lion? Like, it doesn't make so any is sense. is it good? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean obviously, Idris Elba punching a lion is pretty good. <laughs> if you get but past the that, movie it was good? fine. It was entertaining enough. Do you remember the movie The Ghost and the Darkness with yes. Val Kilmer and Michael Douglas? Yes. Yes. I love that movie. Uh <laughs> Was it a stupid movie? I don't remember. I, just, I didn't like it. I, I remember I, thinking it was fucking thing. great. Boring, mostly boring. It's by. It was written by William Goldman, who's like one of the oh. most important American He's screenwriters great. of all time. Uh, Princess Bride. Yeah, the right? Princess Bride, Butch Cassidy, uh, All the President's Men. He's had some good uh, books. A too. number of other yeah. things. And and this uh, this lion this man eating lion movie from 1996, The Ghost in the Darkness, which, as I recall, is a great. I movie. don't remember and, this part. Was there any punching? By any human towards... I don't think there was punching of lions. I don't think... Although if anybody was going to do it, it would be Val Kilmer, (laughs) I think. Uh, Anything else? I watched the first episode of the House of the Dragon Game of Thrones one. All right, good. So did we. We can talk about that. What did you think of that? I I liked it. I mean, uh, one thing I didn't like about the Game of Thrones, uh, there's too many characters. Like, I can't keep up with all you people. I hope you all die. Um, What you didn't like, to be clear, what you didn't like about Game of Thrones Too many characters. Inarguably the best part of Game of Thrones, no. which is that they had a, a a cast of hundreds, and the overwhelming majority of them were good and interesting characters, right? Inevitably, there'll be storylines that you don't care about. And it's a lot to keep track of. Yeah. And what storylines didn't you care about? I mean, by the time, yeah, by the time, you didn't the care Dorn about people, Dorn. I didn't care for By the time people. we got to like seasons six and seven or whatever it was... I acknowledge that they weren't doing a great job, but that was largely, in my opinion, because they yes. actually consolidated uh, storylines. Writing and directing. There were so no, many good. useless. It, it was threads not because in that there movie. was too much going on; it's because they were focused on too little. No, no, no. You got to you got to tighten it up. I mean, a good story is a simplified story, just like we've been talking about. This is. Do you feel the same way about fucking elves? What is that movie? A House of the World of the Elves, the Hobbit, the Hobbit shit. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the House the, of the World of the Elves. I believe she's talking about Lord of, Lord the, Rings. Lord of the Rings. That's you feel pretty that close. Way? Immediately, I can't watch Lord of the Rings because it's like, oh, there's way too much. Right. There's way too much here. I don't care about any of there, this. There too many, not to criticize uh, an otherwise good series, Game of Thrones, but there are too many uh, scenes of that 
I know this is an inappropriate word, but the crippled Stark, uh, who becomes the king at the end, too much time devoted to him. And the payoff, obviously, because he becomes king, but I love the brand nothing interesting. He's being dragged around. Like, fuck that guy. Anyways, the House of the Dragon, it's a very simple story. This family... So far. So far. Just keep it. You know, the, the guy from the Prince Philip guy from the, the, the crown is in it. This is great. Mm. I know he's done yeah. other things. So there were aspects of it that I liked. I, what I didn't like is exactly what you're describing, which is that this is the internal dynamics of a family that has no redeeming characters. Right. Uh, it, it seems pretty clear that there won't be anybody daughter's cool. good here. Yeah, but she's... Sorry, they're setting her up to not be cool. And is she like going to marry her uncle or something? You know that family Maybe. is pretty weird. She's I don't know. Clearly going to father children with her uncle, and like her best friend is going to be sleeping with her dad by the time they become <laughs> by the way, father old, of the year adults. <laughs> hey, teenage daughter. He of mine. seemed uninterested in her. <laughs> by yeah, the way. when she was fucking fifteen, she seemed uninterested. When they're twenty five, okay. I guarantee, and I have not read any of this, so you can't accuse me of, of spoilers. This is apparently based on some other Completed non-game work, of right? Thrones work yeah. that that GRRM did. Uh, but here's my very obvious predictions about where the series is going because we know that. There's a time jump in the next five or six episodes where she quickly ages into the adult version of herself. Right. And what it will be is that there's going to be a fight over who the proper heir to the throne is because there will be a son born to her best friend as impregnated by this king. Who she's sort of in love with. What? The girl is sort of in love with her best friend. With her best friend, yeah. Not, the, not her best friend's father. Who's playing no. with this, like, whatever the, the fuck he was doing. And the right. Yeah. And then there will be a kid yeah. between the yeah. the future queen and the creepy uncle who's a bad guy. And that will be the, the main fight in the series, I'm sure. I mean, whatever. It was fine. I just don't – I don't care for – it's sort of like with succession. Like this is just one. It's all about one family yeah, and their stupid internal so dynamics. So far, all the good stories are that. Like Breaking Bad is a very simple story. Like you don't need to make it big. I mean, there's a few exceptions, like Sopranos and you know those kind of shows, The Wire. But like generally, simple story. And, and the first five years of Game of Thrones. <laughs> no, no, I, I will skip through half of those episodes. Like, yeah, I don't care. I liked it because it's fine. I texted Julia, we watched the new Game of Thrones prequel, and she said, how was it? And I said, it'll do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they spent a lot of money what on I it. miss yeah. is a show we're all watching. Yeah, it's just, yeah. also, like, I don't love watching things that make me feel wildly uncomfortable on purpose for extended periods of time how, and, and how for no... what you like, just said have anything and, to do with what I just like said? Like that and birth for no scene reason. that didn't go too far? With the... I just said it's nice to have a show we're all watching. Right, but what I'm saying is that what I don't like about this show <laughs> is that it insists on making me feel wildly uncomfortable for extended periods of time for no good story reason. It's what it's doing that to me just because it can and because it thinks that's what it ought to be doing and because it wants to generate controversy. So I in do order also to like, be the show that we are no, all watching. I don't think it's in order to be the, sh- the thing. I think that it's the drama that keeps people. Then there's like the, how about that no. scene? But that's not what people talk about. You have about. to care. First of all, it is what people talk about. Okay, I talk to people all day long. <laughs> what I'm saying is what drives the media coverage about I'm saying what people 
people talk about is the plot and the characters and what's right. going to happen the next. The characters. You have to have characters. You have to have Tyrion and Tywin. You have to have people who are interesting and, one and episode. Yeah. Give it a empathetic minute. and good, right? Like the reason that the first season well, of Game I mean, of they're Thrones. Not good. Like Tyrion and them. I mean, they're better than the others, but they weren't necessarily like good people. You have Jon Snow, oh, right? That you have the fucking guy. That, I used to fast forward a lot. Hey. I know they're doing a prequel about him. Or you have the Starks. Are. The point is that you have the Starks in opposition to all of these other awful people. Right. If all we have here is awful blonde people who want to okay. fuck each other over, I don't think that we will care as much as we did the last time around. I also like the same thing I liked about Game of Thrones was the like ultimate. Uh, feminist perspective oh like but through the mechanism of just like awful treatment of women, right. of women like it's i like it that is so that is an interesting take for you but it is not the take that most people who would call themselves ultra feminists would take about i wouldn't this show. call myself an ultra i know but what you're saying is that you're you're viewing the perspective of this show as ultra feminist yes. by showing how terrible men have yes. been and can be to women yes and i'm saying that is not the way that most people who call themselves the, but feminists... they're not saying this is good the right. show is not saying this is how things ought to be it's saying like look how fucked up right. this is other watch out yeah watch out i guess the argument being in other situations that would minimize that they wouldn't even hey let's talk about the jousting and oh that woman died who cares they wouldn't actually Spent too much time the, on it. Game of Thrones is the most feminist show that has ever existed, and this one is, you know, it's <laughs> only true. been one episode. There, there's like a lot of rapes of women, along. and yeah, it's, it's yeah. like, yeah, it sucked back then, and in some cases, it's still not sucks. even back <laughs> yeah. then, it's made up time and place, right. but right, you know, shit's fucked up. Yeah, I don't see the, I don't. I guess I'm more of a West Wing guy. I want I want there to be a little bit of a, a glimmer of of hope in there my conception be. of the of humanity. That's and I don't think that there there will not be. These are incestuous, fucking awful Nazi blondes. Like the whole point is that they're the bad. People. But the weak and, king, like he's not like the worst person. Like he can kind of see like, oh man, that was a bad idea with the whole dragon stuff. That's gonna be a cost to pay, and uh, this fucking chair is uncomfortable. Uh, and, you know, he seems like he's going to be overtaken by somebody else. Sores. Yeah, I don't know. He also, I didn't. Did you take his decision to C-section the wife, knowing that it would kill her to be a, a, spoilers. a totally, well, obviously, spoilers, you know, morally abominable thing to do? I, or was that a practical thing for the for the king to do? When I watched it, you know, on Sunday, I thought they said the woman is dead. Like either they both die or you can salvage the baby. But yeah. online people were saying that it's one or the other, but you can't save them both. Like, and he chose the kid, even though that kid couldn't make it. By the yeah. way, I thought it's it was pretty or, clear yeah. that the Meister said that like she was going to go. Yeah. And uh, you can maybe save the kid yeah. if you act now. And that's what he chose to do. I also like the uncle, the brother. It made a bad joke and you're banishing him forever. It's like he it was a, it was a joke. joke like, I was like air for a day. Like whatever. Don't be so sensitive. We all grieve different. It was his response. <laughs> it was good. That was the best line in the entire episode. Was we all grieve differently, which, by the way, steps exactly out of 
like you that that is not a line that could have been written before like 2017 or so yeah. like it it takes you completely it is a forgivable thing yeah. be, but it just sounds exactly like something that roman would say in succession That's, yeah ra- rather than something that a lord would have said in uh you know a thousand years ago when there were dragons right or the conventional thing would have been just to deny it you know like what no i was yeah, drunk. i just i still think it's a harsh punishment yeah. you need to <laughs> It works for you have to progress the plot of the show, right. but it's just like really. My, my prediction is that this show will do okay, but it's not going to maintain or grow into an audience that was as big a deal as Game of Thrones. As long as they don't make won't. that useless Stark the king at the end of this show, it's going to be better than that other show. That was well, you know how this show ends. Yeah, but it, it, well, at least this contained show. In some of the criticism of this show that I read after it aired, it was suggesting that. In one particular review at the AV Club, said that they did uh, Danny Targaryen dirty uh, in the way that they told her story at the end, which I like was always to me. And what's funny is that the best performing blog post that I've ever written is headlined uh, "Daenerys Targaryen has always sucked," <laughs> and the reason for yeah. that is because anybody who Google's, if you Google uh, "Daenerys Targaryen sucks" or "Danny sucks" yeah. or something along those lines. I show up on no the first kidding. page. No kidding. Yeah. Not a lot of takers so, for that point. Like you're like one of the few. Right. I'm, I'm and I, and it's a fucking great post. I'll, <laughs> I'll link it in the blog notes uh, in the show notes for this one, because it, it, I make my point and it is a well, uh, it's well sourced and it's a hundred percent true. They were seeding the, in her character all the way back in season one, that she was awful right. and that things were going to end poorly for the rest of them because of her. And they did not do Danny Targaryen dirty. And if you named your kid Darnus because you thought she was the dragon queen and that she was a badass, that's on you. That's not on the fucking showrunners or on George R. R. Martin. Anyway, I don't think anybody's – the point is I don't think anybody's going to fucking care by the time that – if they ever get around to finishing this series, I don't think it's going to be a – particularly oh, it's fine. successful it's, it's fine show some dragon keep the productive value up and keep the story straightforward yeah. it'll do good numbers great numbers even and it'll give me something nice to talk about with humans at oh, yes. work something nice just constant fucking torture and mayhem and it's fu- it's and fu- the absolute so much worst better than the real world we're in the absolute worst instincts of humanity on display at all times oh. just what you want in your in your casual sunday night entertainment <laughs> Sunday night, nothing. It's I'm talking about things during the day with people in real life. Yeah. I wonder if there's any lesson to be drawn from the fact that like a snarky blog post about how uh, Daenerys Targaryen always sucked is the most popular thing I've ever put on the internet. I wonder Probably that you should write more stuff like that. Yeah. So far, the other one, the other, the other one is a review of a Philip K. Dick television show. Yeah. Actually, is the second most popular thing I've All ever right. put on the internet. So let's watch more TV, yeah. so you can write about it. Write about popular so people things. Can read about it. Anyway, yeah. uh, did we watch anything else, Lori? I'm sure we did, but nothing. I mean, we watched the Indian Matchmaker show. Fucking Christ, hate that show. Uh, we I watched. watched that too. Thing. Talk about the display of awful humanity for extended periods of time that Indian Matchmaker we finished show the does staircase. that. We did. We fi- that's what we did. We finished two things that we had been putting off finishing because I didn't want to finish them, which was the Staircase HBO miniseries. And by the way, fucking super pumped that I never have to think about or watch that again. That show is simply a character assassination. 
I think, designed by the showrunners to try to push back on the true crime. Like, they, they have a problem with true crime as potentially valorizing people who shouldn't be valorized. And so they took this story and decided to take a dump on Michael Peterson and his entire extended family as Poor a result. Man had his wife killed by an owl. Oh, right. They, they're tucking and, down the owl theory in this uh no. Okay. Not particularly. I think that if you take the balance of the evidence from the even this shitty character assassination of a miniseries, that the most likely <laughs> outcome that even they acknowledge is that it was an owl that fucking did it. <laughs> this is ridiculous. But despite, I can't believe despite this is still that, a thing. <laughs> despite that fact, it remains a character assassination of a real life human being who for all I know, doesn't deserve it. And for all they know, doesn't fucking deserve it. And it makes me feel bad about people when that sort of thing happens. The fucking else? sex room show, that, uh, the oh, Netflix yeah. sex room show that also shouldn't exist. And I'm glad I don't ever have to watch again. There will be a next season. Anyway, you, uh, you got anything else for us tonight, Abe? Nope. I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then. We will talk to you next time. Later. <laughs> Cut the caffeine down to minimal, bare minimum system requirements, but not about to give up the fizzy water. You don't have to give it up, but you could do the thing I said, which was to be fucking ready. I am when fucking I ready. Was, no, As you had to go fact. get a fizzy flavor water. That's not ready. Ready is fucking ready. You uh, weren't <laughs> even down here when I was exactly. ready. I want once. Once for you to wait on me. I'm super ready. Uh, does does Tig Natara look different to you guys? That's just she's just using someone else's picture. Okay, I okay. I can't. I don't Saw have that. Instagram on my phone, and it always wants to open I mean, Instagram. I'll find the tweet then. Hold on. The Instagram tweet. No, the tweet. <laughs> Did you read the piece in the Times last weekend, I think, about Arizona? About how batshit crazy they are? I, I skimmed it. I didn't read the whole thing. Yeah. Did you read the one about how Google's AI misunderstood what was yeah, happening? Yeah, you just sent? Yeah, I just looked at that. <laughs> By the way, do you think they were taking an unnecessary dig at the guy? What was with, Or was that just reporting? Like, he had to resort to Hotmail and he's mocked for it? Like was that a? I think that's just journalism. Reporting. That's just <laughs> just doing a journalism there. Uh, that is not Tignataro. Yeah, that's the same conclusion I reached. Yes, that's a good tweet. Good tweet by Tig. I think I've heard this one. It's a joke I've heard before, though. I think. By her? Possibly. Did she tell this joke in one of her stand-up specials? I don't recall. All right, Abe, are you ready? I I don't want you to get yelled at, too, so don't answer (laughs) that if you're... uh...
Yes. I didn't ask Abe specifically to be ready. I was here, 8.30, waiting. I didn't ask you to be here. I asked you to be ready, fully ready, <laughs> for once. I am, in fact, fully ready. You had to go. You weren't. Getting a fizzy flavor water does not count. Fizzy Jesus water. fucking Christ. Need a fizzy water. You had this whole time. Does taking the tarot look different to you guys? 